Last. The following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution, or don't listen at all. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a Rattledge and Broadcasting premiere podcast, Damn You Hollywood, and here's your host, Robert Winfrey. Yay! Apparently talking to space whales. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. There's Maybe they were that. voguing. Vogue, vogue, let your body move to the music. Hey, 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 come on, vogue. I had never heard that before, so thank you for that. You've never heard Vogue by Madonna? Nope. Do you listen to any Madonna? Nope. Not even Papa Don't Preach? Never heard of it. Not even like like a prayer as you're like bebopping into church? Just nope. like a prayer. Your voice will take me there. It's like a mystery. You are a mystery. Just Seriously. like a dream. Never. You are not what you seem. Robert Winfrey. Never heard like, of it. <laughs> like a Virgin, which is basically her parody of Like a Surgeon by Weird Al Yankovic. I've heard the Weird Al song. Yes, that was very good. Of course you nerds have. Like a virgin, touched by Robert Winfrey for the first time. Like a virgin. Trust me, the first time I touch you, it's not going to remind you of that. <laughs> we, we have gotten everything that we can out of that disclaimer right now. <laughs> oh, We're up we there. Have, we have so much more to go. Hey, what are we talking? Who's here and what are we yeah, talking I'm, about? I'm, a, I'm going to make the entire world of Pandora uncomfortably sexual, just so you all know. Oh, I can't wait. This is, my God, how long have we been doing this? Like a decade now? This is what I've been waiting for. In here, it's, he's doing it! He's doing it! I give in to Mark Sticks one time. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Damn You Hollywood after that protracted random introduction. I'm Robert Winfrey. That's Mark Radelich. Joining us for this special review is David Wright from our Canadian offices. Tonight we are discussing James Cameron's fetishes because <laughs> he just loves the idea of blue monkey people sticking their prehensile fleshlights into animals. They're, they're cat cat people. Well, sort of cat, sort of monkey, and now they're sort of fish. Like they hiss like cats, but uh, they've got primate features and it, it's a mess. And you know, we can, and how the whales of this world just open up an orifice and it just comes rolling on out. 
I told you. <laughs> <clears throat> so that's what we're discussing tonight. Anything we want to get out of the way before I try to get through the plot synopsis in a succinct fashion? And if I do it, uh, I will be impressed with myself for the first time ever. I mean, just because, you know, for structural sake. <laughs> Hang on. So our good friend of the show and frequent collaborator, Zachary Strobel, says Mark should release a Christmas album. You're not wrong, buddy. You're not wrong. I think everyone comes to Damn You Hollywood to hear me sing. It's, okay. uh, you know, if we edited these, we would put them at the end and it would just be a nice little stinger of just Mark mm -hmm. singing. Yep. Get people um, around. If only so, there were an app where you could post short little videos of you doing stuff and people could watch them. I know. I don't know, right? what, I don't know what you're talking about. Listen, um, we're talking about how you don't use YouTube shorts the way you're supposed to. I also haven't done anything for TikTok in like a month. So back before I was forced to be social, we were going to do an on trial for Avatar. I probably would have had David on for that. And yep, um, I'd have done it. We did. You know, we would have debated the merits of the movie in preparation for the release of the new one. That was how things worked. But I'm social now and don't have time to do more than one or two podcasts a week. So we never did it. So, I mean, we can spend a minute on that now, David. Um, what were your thoughts about the first Avatar? Uh, and it's going to be really relevant to this movie review. <laughs> it's the same fucking movie. Okay. Overall, I liked it. Very pretty. Lots of cool military stuff. The The planet was all very beautiful. The thought that put is, was put into the uh, environments and the ecosystems, food chain, all that was, was all good. Uh, the characters were serviceable, like, you know, not, not much depth, but enough, very, very tropey. Like, yeah. you know, it was, it was, it was a fun, pretty movie to watch and enjoy, but uh, it's not really one that you're going to really pick apart and go into depth of with, which is kind yeah. of like your typical James Cameron sort of experience. The, the fact that Avatar got nominated for best picture that year blew my mind for the record. <laughs> not that good. I, I think it, it was nominated more for the, the box office take. Uh, for a best picture golden globe and is most likely on the short list for a best picture oscar so you know it's like poetry it rhymes yeah it's and, not gonna win and I hope, I, I hope well I, i'm pretty sure ever since james cameron took his award for titanic and said i'm the king of the world everyone just went we're never letting this guy up on the stage again yeah no exactly so i think one thing to talk about and it, again relative to the current movie in this sense one of the things that made avatar Two things that I think are relevant to the discussion is one is James Cameron, when he goes big, he he reinvents film, not from a content perspective, but from a technical perspective. He is always coming up with, I mean, the thing with Avatar was it launched us into a new age of CGI. And I think with this new one, um, with the underwater filming technique, we, we've once again hit upon the precipice of something brand new and exciting. Though I was getting a lot of Abyss vibes from this, not the wrestler, the, the movie. Um, <laughs> wow, that's an obscure reference. <laughs> yeah, like the two people listening. Fucking, wait, what? Um, but, I, but, and I think that's sort of James Cameron's usefulness in film is that he's one of the guys pushing technology with very slight film. And I, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, it would be nice if he could somehow master depthful, depthful storytelling with masterful and new and inventive technical technique. But I'm not going to shame the guy for only being able to do one thing really well. 
I'll shame um, him for not having the self-awareness to hire better writers. Fine. Um, but I think we can love James Cameron for what he provides us from a tactical aspect because he keeps giving us some pretty amazing stuff uh, where that's concerned. The other thing I, I wanted to talk about, the, the reason why the first one made $2 billion besides the fact that it was this technical masterpiece was it created, um, there's always the question that nerds get asked. Where would you want to live if you could live anywhere? Would you live at Hogwarts? Would you live in Middle Earth? Would mm -hmm. you live in Star Wars? Would you live in Pandora? And back in 2009, the world went Pandora. All it, like billions and billions of people on this fucking planet. Which all really, the same, which really the should same tell decision. you how stupid we are. I don't... Hang well, on. Here's what, hang on. Here's what I mean by that. Okay. You want to live in Star Wars. Okay, that's, that's probably going to go badly for you. But depends which I, era, but yeah, <laughs> I can see again. But I can see the appeal of the vast, you know. Could you imagine, like, you just unzip and you're like, "I'm going into Star Wars," and it's like right as Order sixty six is happening. Like, or, get, or hey, Alderaan sure is a nice planet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that one was better than mine. I was going with like the season finale for Andor, but no, you 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 beat me, Robert. <laughs> so. Uh, but I can see the appeal of the Star Wars universe in a lot of respects. I can understand Star Trek. I can mm -hmm. understand a lot of these places. Mm -hmm. Even if they're not where I would go, I can understand them. Mm -hmm. The decision to go to a planet where you literally cannot breathe the air. I think it's taken for granted you would be, you would be able to live on the planet. I think I people... I, it was in... Come on, that's really picking you. No, no, no. It was in, it was inferred that if you got to live on Pandora, you'd be a Pandoran. So you want to or, or the, the Necrotidia, Necr whatever the fuck these things you, are called. So your so the argument these people had, and this is again goes to how stupid we are. <laughs> if I could be an alien species in its home planet, mm -hmm. yeah, people, man, we are the anyway. Worst. Yes, there there was a interesting psychological conversation to be had about why the vast majority of Earthlings felt so disconnected, so disenchanted, so disenfranchised with the world they were living in in 2009. They were like, I want to be a cat monkey person, and I want to live on Pandora. And they paid $2 billion so that they, you know... There's only one other movie that I'm aware of, and it didn't make nearly this kind of money, but I do remember multiple view people going, because I was one of those people, who did multiple viewings of Pulp Fiction because they just didn't want to leave that, that world. They didn't want to leave that movie. They just, you know, wanted to keep reliving it. Star Wars had a very similar, the original Star Wars, 77, A New Hope. Uh, yeah, for, similar um, experience. People went repeatedly because they yeah, wanted Fellowship to re-experience it. Yeah. Fellowship of the Ring did the same thing. Yeah, Lord right. of so, the Rings, I, I would put it in that <clears> list. So there, there's definitely sometimes a the phenomenon of movie watching where people will go multiple times because they just can't disconnect from that world anymore. They can't leave it behind. Um, and, and Avatar made two billion dollars because people didn't want to leave pandora and like there were the, there have been psychological studies about it articles written about it i mean it's it's an interesting cultural psychological phenomena that existed and i'm not entirely sure if that was lost on disney executives when they greenlit this thing or not like i don't know if anyone who decided that let's give james cameron the gross uh domestic product of luxembourg no, to... no, 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 no. He, he spent more than the gross domestic product of Luxembourg on this. <laughs> okay. Um, to go make, you know, a bunch of Avatar movies 
because they think, oh, well, you know, this this will stick with people and they'll they'll continue to come back. You know, almost 20 years later, I don't know if people want to live on Pandora anymore. You know what I mean? There's a couple of things that's going to some of this can dovetail into the money section when we get there. But mm -hmm. there's a handful of things working against it. One is the time between movies. And we're like 13 years after the fact. Right. It's a long time for a one of. Yeah, I was had no, it may, You shouldn't from 13 to 20, but okay. <laughs> Whatever. It's a long time for a one of film that didn't really have a cultural footprint. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it was a thing. I'm not, I'm not saying it wasn't a thing when I say it has no footprint. I mean, no lasting footprint. Like the lasting impression of Avatar was, hey, let's do more movies entirely on blue screen. <laughs> And everyone does it now. Right. I mean, have you, by way of like, have you seen the behind the scenes shooting stuff for any given Marvel movie? I mean, I know it's all green boxes. Literally. Like mm -hmm. everything from like Spider-Man. That's like Spider Cameron's fault. That's fucking George Lucas. Hang on. He shot George... the entire Phantom Menace on green screen. Yeah. Look, Lucas did it. But Lucas also like the reason I blame Cameron for it. Or more predominantly blame him. Like, Lucas may have been the first guy that said, you know what, let's try this. Cameron was the one who said, hey, look at what I can do. And I will sell you the technology to replicate this. <laughs> and everyone went, okay. So now, you know, Spider-Man's European vacation was shot <laughs> exclusively on a soundstage in Burbank or wherever the hell it is. And it's depressing as heck. <laughs> like, if you watch the, the making of stuff for those, it's depressing. Like, that's mm -hmm. all it is. It's depressing. I know we've talked about this before, but I think it was Ewan McGregor who on the set of The Phantom Menace is like, I don't know what I'm doing or where I'm going or what this movie's about. Because and, he did, there's nothing to interact with. Yeah, and George Lucas, like, George Lucas was just, look at, look over here, look over there, say the lines. That's all you got yeah. to do. So, I just, do you have any thoughts, David? And we can move on from this. We've spent sufficient time kind of dicking around now about, you know, why you think Pandora, of all the fictional places, People become obsessed with people got the most i mean by far and away the most obsessed with pandora like when i tell you there were people who obviously people struggling with mental illness who were like <laughs> killing themselves because <laughs> they couldn't live on pandora i'm not joking about that like go look it up it's still got like correct me if i'm wrong Mike. you live near this uh, particular attraction the like the Avatar section of Disney World has like some of the longest lines in the park. Yeah, Animal Planet, um, Animal Planet, um, Animal Kingdom. They have like two rides, I think, and like one of them's a simulator. And yeah, you can't even get on the thing. So your thoughts, David? Okay, yeah, sorry, you cut out there for a second, but uh, yeah, well, uh, the first thing I would say is like Pandora is a fantastical place. Like it's it's this entirely created world from someone's imagination, like mm -hmm. the flora, the fauna, everything is kind of made for maximum coolness. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, to the point where like, even at nighttime, they have bioluminescence and everything. So everything lights up all nice and pretty. Like it's, it's, it's neat. Mm -hmm. It's a cool place. And it's something that you, most people living in cities wouldn't really get to experience. So I think that the, it, it does provide that level of escapism. And I kind of think like one of the brilliant aspects of the whole franchise, this is less to do with why people were contemplating suicide over not being able to live in a fictional world, but uh, 
But, but well, to, to roll back to that, I mean, it, it's the same thing we said here. Like, yeah, yeah, it would be really cool to be in Star Trek or be in Star Wars or mm-hmm. you know, any of these sort of fictional science fiction fantasy universes. We're obviously assuming that we get to do all the cool, fun stuff, like not being horribly killed by all the horrible things <laughs> our heroes have to deal with. Sorry, I I I, I do have to interrupt with that because Jason and I talked about the Anaconda series on Thursday, and yeah. one of the things they said in Anaconda and almost anything where that takes place in. A rainforest or a jungle or something like that is everything here wants to kill you and I, I couldn't get that thought out of my head watching avatar a couple of months back when i took my kids to go see the re-release just like this beautiful place i just i want to leave i don't want to live in milwaukee anymore i just want to live on pandora where everything is trying to kill you where you it's can't very, where you touch <laughs> a, where you touch the poisonous flower and you die yeah yeah oh yeah the yeah, I always think right to Quatrich's uh, orientation, like everything that runs, climbs, or slithers to the ground wants to kill you. <laughs> Wasn't lying. <laughs> yeah, he did, he did a great job in that scene, but more on him later. Uh, back to the other issue I was getting at. It's, I, I think the brilliance of Avatar is like it really does kind of have something for almost everyone. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's basically like a Lisa Frank painting versus G.I. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, like where okay. it's just a sort of uh, it, it, that was a sort of brand of uh, sort of art <coughs> on like uh, school supplies, lunch boxes, mm-hmm. file folders that appealed to a lot of girls when I was growing up. So it was kind of like dolphins flying through space in neon colors and pretty plants and stuff. So it's you know like you you have everything for the nature lovers in your life. Like oh look at all the cute animals and the neat animals and all the plants and you know you know the, the, the natives you know. Com- communing with nature and isn't this all nice and you get oh shit look at that awesome mech tank blowing shit up and right and now we got like the the choppers with the dual blades and now we got like the big one that drops little ones and yeah you know the spaceships and like look at those guns and you know like it's you know it, it's it's all the gear porn any like military <laughs> nerd as in like any man basically mm-hmm. could love like you know to quote bob chipman like you can summarize this movie as thundercats versus robotech <laughs> I hadn't heard that before, but that's not wrong. Exactly. So it's, it's kind of, yeah. So like, you know, if, if you're going out there, you know, your wife, your daughter, they're all cheering for the Navi going like, oh yeah, look at them saving the whales. Woohoo. And fight the power. And then you got all the guys like, yeah, tanks, woo, airplanes, <laughs> guns, <laughs> missiles. Nuke them from orbit. Yes, exactly. It's the only way to be sure. It really is. Avatar, something for everybody. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Robert, let's hit that plot synopsis. Go, go, go. Okay. So we pick up in the indeterminate years after uh, the end of the first movie. Now our protagonist, Jake Sully, and his wife have four children who are here forever going to be referred to as Decent Son, Dumbass, Female Water Jesus, and the Toddler. And these are the people who call, and they're somewhat adopted uh, quasi-feral human loincloth man <laughs> jungle boy we, the internet has decided he's jungle boy from aew jungle boy has good hair this guy has dreadlocks <laughs> discount jungle boy fair enough so wannabe luke perry <laughs> um anyway they're living in their idyllic paradisiacal type of world everything's happy and then the sky people return and they burn the forests, and they set up base camps, and now we have to fight them off. And we flash forward one year to a ongoing guerrilla warfare operation. 
headed by Jake Sully, and we're introduced to kind of what's going on this time around. Now, they're not here for a mining operation. No, we're here to fully terraform and colonize Pandora because the Earth is dying. Do you understand? And our, we're introduced to our primary antagonist and the sort of tertiary antagonist because um, Edie Falco is here as the general in charge for five minutes. And then we follow the cloned because clones make everything better. Now in an avatar body, uh, Colonel Quaritch from the first one, the great Stephen Lang. He and his crew uploaded their sin, uh, their sin cordings, which is a reference I don't think anyone will get. And then have become cloned. They're in avatar bodies and they are here now to uh, stop the immediate attack of anything that shows up because they're avatar bodies so they'll be read a bit more as natives to the planet instead of something necessarily to be attacked by all the various flora and fauna um jake and his family are again they're kind of headlining guerrilla operations against this establishing base head but then dumbass and halfway decent son take female water jesus and the toddler off on an adventure to the Forbidden Shack of Mystery. Don't know why they want to go to the Forbidden Shack of Mystery. <laughs> Where they're attacked, nearly captured, and they encounter Quaritch. And so Jake and his wife save them. And they decide, well, with this new technology, of oh, Spider gets kidnapped. Oh, Spider also, the uh, suddenly paternity test for Quaritch. Uh, because that's a thing. Yeah, he's gorgeous son. Yeah. So uh, they've got they have captured him, and Jake decides, well, this insider with all the knowledge of our operation has been captured, and Quaritch is a dangerous opponent. It's no longer safe here. We must leave. And they argue about this very briefly, but ultimately they decide to leave, so he passes the mantle of chief to somebody else in the tribe. He and his family fly off to the racists on the reef. <laughs> They go to the reef people who immediately make fun of them for all of their immutable characteristics. You call that a tail? What do you mean you have four fingers and a thumb? And your arms are so scrawny and your coloration is different. And did I mention they're racists? <laughs> because they're racists. Um, the reef people ultimately decide to take them in and to give them a degree of shelter. Uh so they start learning the ways of the water people, and we'll get to them in a second. Meanwhile, spiders start showing Quaritch and the other evil avatars how to be true people of the, how to be true Navi. So they start doing stuff. Our teen, we get a bunch of teenage drama. Uh, dumbass son gets a crush on a girl who has a mutual crush on him. The, the, the village chief's daughter, of course. Of course. Yes, Pocahontas. Sure. <laughs> so Pocahontas, son of Rose from Titanic, or daughter of Rose from Titanic. Yep. Uh, and again, teenage angsty hijinks ensue where the kids, the kids have glommed onto the racism of their parents. And so there's fights and there's arguments and there's teasing and there's an attempted murder. <laughs> Just kids having fun. Yep. Like you do. But by, but uh, dumbass meets a whale, a a, a space whale catfish, uh, who saves him from being eaten by another predatory fish. That again, this was set up by the other kids because again, racists. 
So it was a little harmful mur potential uh, attempted murdering. That's all. I mean, look, is it? Like, is, is, <clears throat> is it even kid, really anything like attempted murder? They don't give out Nobel prizes for attempted chemistry. Look, if you grew up with kids who didn't like trick one kid into going into a dark alley where he may have been stabbed, shot, or maimed, we've all done it. No, <laughs> we haven't. Oh, <laughs> Moving on. But by covering up for the uh, the tribal chief's oldest son, they become friends because, you know, like you do. Do you want me to bring this up now? No. Hang on. I was, I was handed a memo. All right. she, I, I was told Avatar The Way of the Water is pretty much the movie Taken with Liam Neeson. <laughs> That's not accurate, but okay. I can kind of see where they're coming from. Huh? Well, I can kind of, I can kind of see where they're coming from. David agrees with you. Robert's, Robert's still trying to figure it out. Robert doesn't get an opinion. He doesn't like She-Hulk. Moving on. Yeah, because one's opinion on She-Hulk should be the determinative factor here. Please move this on. So again, they engage in a lot of water-related shenanigans. We're introduced to the whale catfish that are the super intelligent communicate you know, like they have communication they have language they have philosophy they have art they have song they decided to become pacifist and now they're being viciously hunted for their goo in their brain yep which stops human aging yep uh but they're very spiritually attached to these creatures the reef people and after a very inappropriate sexual encounter between dumbass son and the outlawed whale uh, he is now bonded with the outlaw whale who decided to not be a pacifist, that he was not on board with all of his people being systematically hunted and murdered. Uh, but Quaritch knows the, has now figured out where they are because female water Jesus has a seizure and he sends for help and Jake sends for help. So they show up and our dozen false finishes start as our dumbass kids, all of them, get captured more than once. We do a revolving door of which child is captured as Quaritch uses the, the capture of these children to kind of bait Jake into uh, giving himself up so he can be killed. Big action set piece at the end, wherein uh, halfway decent son is shot and killed. Uh, everyone else winds up coming together after another big action set piece. Um, Quaritch is nearly killed, not actually killed. Everyone almost drowns, but female space, female water Jesus summons the glowfishes to give them a way out, and the lungfish that allows you to breathe underwater, and she's able to rescue her family. Spider rescues Quaritch from drowning underwater, but decides not to go with him to, he rejects his humanity, because humanity is all that is bad in the world. Um... The Sully family buries their oldest son, and Jake comes to the conclusion that we have to fight instead of running away. Which he figured out at the end of the last movie. Midway through the last movie. <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> like the precursor to the finale. Yeah, he's, he's a Marine. He should kind of know about fighting. Yeah. He should also I... know... He, it, this bothered me as a writing bit. Spider uses nautical terminology describing the ship at one point. And Jake just gives him like the what face? Like you're a marine. <laughs> Marines are tech they're technically part of the navy. You would know 
nautical well, terminology. But yeah, my ass rides in naval equipment. All right, yeah, David, again, like you're up. Go. <laughs> okay. Um, overall, I thought it was a decent movie. Like it was. It, it's not going to set the world on fire. Like it's not super amazing. Like it's it's pretty. It's it's more pretty than the first movie. Like I I think that they were rendering this thing for all 13 years since the last one. <laughs> and, they still, and they still didn't get it all the way done. There is some like a lot of it looks really good. There are some janky moments though. I it never really stood out to me though. Then again, I did watch it in 3D, so maybe the 3D kind of hid some of the issues. But uh, like, this is the one movie series I'll actually watch in 3D because James Cameron actually knows how to do 3D, which is basically don't try <clears throat> 3D. Like like at no point in the film did they do the whoa something's yeah. coming out of the screen yeah. at you. It's just oh it's in 3D. It's like I'm, I, I, it's like I'm watching them, like the, the guys driving the submarines. And it's like, oh man, it's kind of distorted. Over. It's like, oh wait, that's the window in the submarine distorting the water. Cool. <laughs> anyway, um, like I, I, I liked how it wasn't a direct copy of the original film. How it kind of had its own smaller story, whereas the first movie was all about the big war. We have to stop all the sky people from nuking the tree of life and get them off the planet, yada, yada, yada. This one was just like, Korich wants to kill Jake. And he's going to hunt him down and do whatever it takes to do it. I'm going to let you have your say, but that is a major problem I have. I, I, yeah, I, I, oh, I, I know you guys are going to come back at me with that, but you, <laughs> gave me, you gave me first kick at the can, so I'm taking first kick at the can. But yeah, again, all, all the technology stuff was, again, super cool. Um, like the, the, the demon ship, I'll call it that they use for the whaling thing. Like, <clears throat> like I love how it was like a, a hydrofoil that turned into a ground effect airplane and back again. Like I was, I was almost expecting it to be a submarine. It had that much cool stuff in it, but they, they, they drew you know, the line there. I love one of the things I love about having you come on, David, is because you have such a hard on for hardware, like vehicle, like you're, you're with, you were totally the kid. <laughs> you were totally the kid who had like all like the GI Joe Jeep and the, this and the, that. It's just like, I don't even care about the figures. I just want to play with the plane. Yeah, well, I, I would have uh, if I had the money, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally, totally. Yeah, it's a, the, the vehicles are cooler than the action figures. Yep. But but like that, that, it's a cool design, and it kind of would actually work. Like mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah, I like uh, I, I like all the little details <laughs> they had in it. Like like when Quartridge is talking to the general at the beginning, and she's explaining the building of the city. You actually see that ship being built in the background for mm -hmm. for a scene. Like they're he's he's really good at setting up small things that pay off later on in the film. Uh, so, so I, I, I kind of appreciate that sort of stuff. And, and, and a lot of the world building is very, very solid. Sort of my, my, my biggest complaint is again, like just if they could add one or two more dimensions to the characters, I think you would have like a really solid film here, but uh, story-wise it's pretty much simple and tropey. It's like, you know, like you say, it's, they, they get to the water tribe and, yeah, his son is has a, the hots for the chief's daughter, and he doesn't get along with the chief's son. And you know, I, I, we, we we've seen this stuff before so so many times, and 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 I appreciate that they didn't really dwell on it. Like we mm -hmm. didn't have to go through the whole song and dance. It was just, you know, he, the, his son hangs out with the daughter for a bit, and then in the end, he's like, "Oh, I kind of like you. Oh yeah, I like you too. Okay, good. That's done. You know, <laughs> next." Yeah, they, they could have drawn that out and yeah. drawn out yeah. as the rest of this thing is. I'm glad yeah. that wound up on the cutting room floor. But yeah, Daddy, he, I love him. Yeah, he, well, I, well, they did that scene with him bonding with the whale. 
What do you mean you let that whale violate my son with his tongue penis? <laughs> but um, let me find my spot again here. Um, so, so uh, yeah, like even the montage of them learning the ways of the water people was mm -hmm. it kind of blitzed through that we didn't need to see them learn how to ride all the different fish. Right creatures it was just like there wasn't an extended it once of, he gets flipped I was, off I was say, there wasn't an extended sequence of them fucking up it was like yeah. you know we have a, a couple of seconds of them fucking yeah. up and then they're then then they got it yeah exactly jake tries to ride the fish nope gets away from him he tries again okay he can do it now got it right. moving yeah. on yeah yeah so again it's it's they, they don't bog you down in the stuff you've already seen they yeah. they kind of just keep keep it going uh, i like that for as much as obviously these films have major environmental messaging in them Mm -hmm. you, know, you know film one was you know save the rainforest film two is save the whales but i i appreciate that anyone, James is anyone objecting to save the whales in 2022 <laughs> like like the discussion uh, of the who, rain yeah. the other than the of, japanese well i mean the discussion of the rainforest is still somewhat pertinent given how much there is and what's kind of what kind of goes on you know and uh, all of the various south american but i think david just over. made a point of saying yes this apparently still is a relevant issue so let's not beat on this it, uh, yeah. okay so there's parts of the jet of japan that still allow whaling and there's like one or two festivals in iceland like yeah but on balance like we're all on the same page here do we need to be lectured about this yeah uh, well i mean you know, james cameron has a thing for for the oceans and you know fair enough this is his movie he gets suspended on Doing what, talking about what he wants to, <laughs> but I, I, I would, I would say like I appreciate that they didn't make the whaling the central focus of the story. Right. It, it was, it was a means to an end for Quaritch to draw out Jake. So right. I think that was very clever in that. Whilst I wouldn't quite go so far to call the environmental message subtext, it, it, they kind of put it a little bit in the background, so it kind of didn't feel as preachy. It was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, whaling bad. I agree. <laughs> All right. Um... This feels like two different movies. The first hour is feels so disjointed from the second part of it. And I know that was almost unpurposefully. So it's like I'm criticizing something that they went out of their way to do. But jarring is jarring. And disjointed is disjointed. I don't care that that was your intention. It's still stupid. That whole first hour, because it's because they don't deal with the water people at all. And it's almost its own story. It's it almost feels like when they're done and they move to the reef people, the movie is starting again. It was like an hour long extended prologue. And structurally, I don't think that's sound filmmaking. I had a real problem with it. Mm -hmm. There was a way to do that to where things would be a little bit more integrated and you're getting the full scope of the movie, like cut in and out, introduce the water people while you're doing that. Not let's just tell an hour of this one story stop hard stop start again tell a new story yeah or or maybe just do something like when the sky people come back and they burn the forest it's like well we, we're not going to stand a chance against this run away regroup and then come back instead of just like wait a minute war's hard <laughs> well I don't, I, maybe i shouldn't fight anymore it's like batman at the end of the dark night here's what i don't understand about this movie because I'm, I'll get to the positive stuff in a second, but my but the negatives are all storytelling. This the story is rock stupid. It is inconsistent. It's an insult it is... to rocks. <coughs> For a film it, about that takes place mostly underwater, it's not very deep. You don't say, David. You don't say that it's not very deep. Thought you were writing that the TikTok time there. Nope. <laughs> um, no, no, I gave up on that. He doesn't lean forward to do that. 
So anyway, um, or take a giant pause while I find my buttons. Anyway. That's how you know. <laughs> the worst thing about this movie is the story. For one thing, um, I really hate when you choose to do a sequel and you forget everything you did in the first movie. So you just either redo it or you, do, or you make decisions about the plot that aren't consistent with what the lessons were learned. It's funny. I, it, it's funny how things work because I just, I will sometimes like independently of what we're doing, they have nothing to do with each other. We'll release something that we did in the blog talk radio days and I'll hear myself say something and then we'll do a podcast. I'm like, I said that in 2013. And I was, and if you go back and listen to the two part diehard thing that we did, a big thing that I beat to death is how they would forget everything that John McClane learned in the previous movie about himself and about life and the arc that he completed. They would just throw it out the window and he would start all over again in the next movie. In their defense, half the diehard movies are basically action movie generic scripts that had just so happened to cast Bruce Willis and said, well, let's change his name to John McClane and call it a diehard movie. I, I mean, I hear you, but. But I mean, the, the big complaint I had is he makes up with his wife at the end of the first movie and learns to be a better mm -hmm. husband. And then the second one, or or the transition from the second to the third one, like he had a like falling out with his wife that they never explained. And he's like a shitty person. It's like, no, no, no. He was done being a shitty person. That was what the first fucking two movies were. He was moving past all of this and being a better person. And then they were like, no, we need him to be shitty. So we have to go back and make him shitty again. And I have the same problem here with Avatar. Oh, Where, yeah, like, like that decision does not make artistic sense, but it does make financial sense. So here we are doing a craft review, <laughs> and we'll talk about money later. Um, so I have the same problem here with Avatar, where he figured out in the last movie that we have to fight the military, we have to drive them off the planet. When they came back, like, I, I understand, like, somewhat the logic of, they have they now have someone they can interrogate for information so make a plan go attack yeah. them change some shit up yeah okay huh? step one move away from here to somewhere that they don't know about right you know or you know build traps i don't know set up defenses get into helms deep do like you know. I, I will agree with you on this 100 percent, mark it's like you don't understand now they have like 10 navi people who can use guns it's scary it's like <laughs> you're right so, so, and that's the thing. There's so many like plot inconsistencies, and and people are like, "Oh, you mean like plot holes?" No, 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 no. They get Quaritch, like clone Navi Quaritch, and they're like, "Hey, could, this guy Sully has been doing this guerrilla war against us. Fucking fix it. Get get these people. Turn this around for us. Win the war. Or hear me out." What if I do a single-minded revenge thing? But we've spent all this money. We 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 made you a new body. We gave you what? No, you're you're not here for that. You're not here to just go after Jake and his family. You're here to like wipe the Navi off the fucking planet. I do believe the general <laughs> said at the beginning that his main mission was to kill Jake because he was the leader and the mastermind behind. Here's the thing. No, th th that's what makes this stupid. It's about as dumb as, like, if we're chasing Osama bin Laden and we just ignore every stronghold he leaves. Here's another one. What if we only shot, what if we only killed General Washington? Oh, you're right. The revolution's over. No more America. We're done. No, that's not how this works. You kill a general, we find another general. We keep going. Like, that's not how war works. It's not a fucking video game. The only thing I would say in defense of my position is 
Jake is a former Marine, so he knows the Marines' tactics. He knows their technology. Mm-hmm. Where probably most of the Navi don't know that okay. stuff. The Ewoks beat the Empire with sticks and rocks. The fucking Navi beat the Empire with arrows. I'm not and, hearing none of that. And the okay. entire ecosystem of a planet, which is technically a nah. moon. They <laughs> My, did, no, no, like they did have to be saved by all the rampaging rhino beetles. Yeah, like, yeah, that was like the moment they did. The moment was lost, but then the brain planet thing sends in all the animals. My to fight point them. being. This whole movie you avoid if there's if, if anyone starts to think like, okay, well then we'll just keep fighting. Let's change some shit up mm-hmm. and we keep fighting. None of this was necessary. Like the 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 whole movie is written in service of we have to make Jake and his family go on the run. The writing isn't strong enough to support that decision. Is the argument that I'm making? I agree. Entirely true. Okay, hundred percent. Yes. So we, we can nitpick over my over like my issues with this, but that is ultimately the argument I'm making for people listening to this. If the major focus of the movie, the major push of the movie, is get Jake on the run so he can go to the water people, the writing that they did to explain it isn't nearly as strong enough. It is rock stupid and slight as a feather. Moving on. Yeah, if, if if they had just done, okay, they can find, they're going to find us, so we need to move somewhere else. Let's move move back to, fall. let's fall back to the water people. It'll take them a long time to find them. We'll regroup, come up with a new plan, and then start the war anew. They get to the okay. water people, and the water people are like, hey, what are you guys bringing your war here for? No, no one's, and then the whaling ships hey. come. It's like, oh, crap, the war's come to us anyway. Well, now we have to unite together. What about the Navi, though? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What about the rest of the Navi in the, in the forest? We just forget about them, which is another problem I have with this movie, by the way. I'll again, for the, again, for the record, like it's one of the reasons this entire thing is conducted stupidly. Mm-hmm. If we were to, again, when we, when we were, you know, hunting Osama bin Laden, if we, if he left a, you know, a stronghold, we didn't just ignore the stronghold he left. Like that still had to be dealt with. Right. So Jake being Osama in this particular analogy, mm-hmm. he leaves one area and okay, you still fall. You still want to get Osama. But there's all these other people who are still fighting and still causing you problems. Like, yeah, you don't ignore be... that. Right. And that's my problem. We never go back to it. We never, like, check in on the forest people. Like, what are they doing? Did the military Did the military just stop fighting? Did everyone stop? We're like, no, we're going to let... Nah, it'll be fine. We're just going to let Quaritch handle everything. Is that, like, they lose track of so many elements that they put in the movie. Yeah. This is one of those things where... I wish there had been more notes because if I'm the executive noting this movie, I'm like, why aren't we going back to the forest people? Why aren't we going back to the military? Why are we singularly focused on this? Why is there not a better explanation for why Quaritch? I understand what you're saying is like, well, the major thing was kill Jake. Okay. But I thought the major thing was wipe the Navi off the fucking planet. We want to take it over for earth. You can do two things. I swear you can. I have two hands. You can do two things. This movie could convince you you can only do one thing at a time. Yeah, well, they didn't really <clears throat> explain the big overall plan other than they are going to colonize the planet. Oh, I hate the way they set that up, too. I, I agree. But, and they don't go back to it. They don't really address it. Here's this my... Beca- this becomes Here's... a single-minded revenge. Hang on. I want to I bring this up before I forget right. it. Mm-hmm. So, moving all the way to the end of the movie, and this is yet another example of in the writing, they can't keep track of their own elements. Jake is leading the Jake is leading the city of Atlantis against this fucking hydrofoil. Okay, this mm-hmm. Cobra Commander hydrofoil thing that they're fighting. 
He's got this whole army. You know, they're all riding dolphins and they're, you know, they're going to attack. And then the movie hyper after like the initial thinking of Black, Pan- Black Panther now, after the initial attack of the Atlanteans against the Wakandans. Suddenly, we, the, suddenly <laughs> nothing else happens to anyone else other than the people we're following. Everyone fucked off. Everyone went home. Like basically after the whale, the, the outcast whale saves everyone. We lose the entire army. We lose all the water people, and it just becomes hyper-focused on Quaritch and Jake's family. No one else was around to help. No one like, no one else went to the ship. It was like, oh, I guess the fighting's done. Where's Jake at? Ah, he's fucking buried yeah, yeah, never in the mi- ship somewhere. No, no, and never mind that two of the people in the army are the tribal-like chief and his wife, whose right. daughter is on the sinking ship. Right. So, like, she'll be fine. Jake's got it. No one went to help. No one's securing the area. We don't ever, like, shoot the camera around and see what else is going on. It's just this hyper-focus. And I, and I get, like, why? But again, you can't introduce stuff. Like, when, just as an example, with Black Panther, they cut away from the fight. The fighting was still happening. When Shuri was fighting Namur on the beach, and she goes, Wakanda oh. forever, and blows herself up. Um, After being stabbed through the spine. After being stabbed through the spine, you know. A, lot, a minor stabbing through the spine. Run through. <laughs> <laughs> there was still fighting to be had. And it was like, they, they called a timeout at the end. They were like, all right, game over. Good game. But they were still fighting. They didn't forget about the entire fight happening on the submarine or whatever the hell that thing was. As opposed to this movie where we forgot about the army all of a sudden. We forgot about every single other element. <coughs> me. And then was just focused on Jake and his family getting out from underneath the boat. That's it. This movie is this movie is like a hot girl. It's very, very pretty, but every time it opens its mouth, it's stupid. And it keeps forgetting where it is. <laughs> it keeps forgetting where it left its purse or where its where its shoes are or what part of the city it's in. So what attractive woman hurt you in the past? <laughs> Carry the four. <laughs> um my point being like the worst thing about this movie is the writing. It is a rock stupid, inconsistent so story. And, you know, you talk about it being tr- familiar and tropey, David. Mm-hmm. Look, I'll be the first one, and I've done that on the show. Familiar and tropey is what puts asses in seats. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you put a little effort into it? <laughs> it's what you do with it, though. You can, can, be, it, you can what, be an interesting trope. Like You can do an interesting thing with a trope. Okay. Smile is a really good example of this. Smile did like all the horror tropes, but it it can you know reconjured them enough to make an interesting story. Now I know you were very you said you were mid on it, but yeah. hear me out on Smile. Smile does enough with familiar tropes that I still think it keeps the film interesting. If it didn't touch you personally, whatever. My point is, as far as horror movies go, there was enough different about it with stuff that was very familiar to make it stand out to me, at least my problem with this movie and the tropiness of it is that you literally, it was literally like they took example pages out of a screenwriting book and just crossed out the names and like descriptions of the characters or whatever, physical descriptions. It was like, it was like literally like stock character does stock thing in the movie you've seen 50 times. And it's right down to the bullying. Like my kid could have written this movie. He's because he's seen that thing happen every other time. Um, 
Your and... kid's dialogue would probably be better. <laughs> Good things about this movie. Um, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Uh, bravo to James Cameron for creating yet a new filming technique that I'm sure will be copied for the next 20 years badly. But probably. at least he did it. And, you know, we we're so hypercritical about um, the artists that populate Hollywood. Credit where credit's due. James Cameron stands apart from the pack. We have spent the better part of this year slamming a lot of big time directors, a lot of name directors. I'm not going to slam James Cameron. Technically speaking, on just the technical aspects, he stands far and away apart from the rest of his peers, his known popular peers, and really puts him to shame. He is with, probably with the best. very few exceptions. Yeah. Um, like, there's only a couple of other guys who on a, like you said, on a technical mm -hmm. filmmaking level who are similar to what he does. He is, right. in that respect, very at the top of the game. Yeah, if he got an adult to write his movies, he'd be unfucking stoppable. Um, It'd be nice. Like I said, it looks gorgeous. The, um, the cinematography in this is absolutely breathtaking. I did not mind the length. I thought, even with the disjointedness, I thought the movie was paced well. I thought it moved. I did not feel its length. I was invested in what was happening from beginning to end. To, to David's point, I think things moved swiftly enough through each set piece that um, I, I wasn't fe I, I wasn't like, ugh, you know, look at my watch or anything. I was in, I was into what was happening because stuff was moving fast enough, even when it was slow. You yeah, know, two hours into, too long. Just two hours into the movie, I was like, ooh, they should have called this Avatar 2 the way of holding water. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think that's all my pre-read, pre-written jokes <laughs> I've done for this one. Thanks, Jackie. Um, I'm gonna give it over to you, Robert. That's really um, if I think of something else as you're talking, I'll pipe in. But I, I needed to slam the 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 writing. The writing is terrible. Um, oh, I'll say something about the acting. Um, I think everyone's. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone's. I think everyone was giving was giving the performance they were asked of. If you're going to slam the acting, blame the director. I don't think anyone in this movie was giving a bad performance. I think they were giving huh. the performance they were asked of. <coughs> yeah, I'm going to disagree with you there, Bob. Okay. I'm, you're entitled. Um, the kid acting in this is awful. I didn't think it was that bad. It's bad. It's it's really bad. Like I, I want to know how much they had to like redo to get emotion out of the faces. Because it like there's there's nothing there. Do you there's think a lot of it was there. like them struggling with the accents and because they're because they're trying to do an uh, accent they can't fucking emote properly? No. Okay. First of all, they're not all trying to do the accent. One of the dumbass sons is trying to do the accent. The other just sounds like he's from California. I was gonna say. What I was like. I I am a Navi and I am pretty. And the other one's like, ain't no thing. And then there's Kiri. The kids talk like they're like from a '90s movie. And then there's Kiri, who's just Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, did she have Sigourney Weaver play the character? Yeah, yes. Oh, that would explain yeah. why she felt kind of like a young Sigourney Weaver, which yeah. makes sense. Again, it, it, it's just Sigourney Weaver, and okay, fair enough. Sigourney Weaver's awesome, mm -hmm. but like, the reason I get hung up on the accent for the kids a little bit here is. You sound like the people you live with, right? Like mm -hmm. accents are learned behaviors. Yep. My brothers may not have my voice, but we do all sound alike. 
I grew up in a black neighborhood for the first 12 years of my life. Guess what I sounded like for a good long time? A racist. We know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, but no, that's the point. Yeah. So the mm -hmm. fact that the two brothers sound nothing alike is a bit of a problem for me. I'm, <laughs> I don't know who to blame, but I'm blaming somebody. I mean, in the, the, the beginning of the film, they sort of established that they're, they're all speaking the Navi language and they're just doing it in English, so we don't have yeah. to listen to Navi for... Right, but to Robert's point, one of, them's do, one of them's trying to do an alien dialect and the other one just, you know, is doing his normal voice. Mm -hmm. And there was a consideration for the director. What the fuck do you want these people to sound like? Probably Ma, because Zoe Saldana, mom, does a very Navi thing. And Jake sounds like Jake. And are you trying to say that the one kid sounds more like his mom and the one sounds more like his dad? Because that's not how that works. No, you sound like a combination of both. Right. Instead of, like, you don't get, like, there's no genetic precursor for accents here. Like, <laughs> you don't favor your ma and the voice. <laughs> you know, you sound just like your mother. <laughs> so, it's, that's a problem for me. Like, the dialogue in this movie is bad. Yeah. I mean, it's straight bad. The, I hate the structure of this film, narrative-wise. Here's the equivalent of what we do in the opening hour of this movie. Darth Vader walks onto the ship and demands the plans for the Death Star. And then the next two and a half hours we spend with Boba Fett screwing around <laughs> looking for Han Solo. <laughs> you, you understand what I mean here? Yeah, I'm with you. If you want to keep the introduction of the general and we're going to, you know, terraform and colonize Pandora for humanity in the background, you can do it. You can't make it your inciting incident. That's what we stick with. Right. Like if if our first big thing is the arrival and then it's clone Quaritch and they're fighting for a while and then he does then he talks with Edie Falco at some point and she kind of brings up what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Like then we're okay, but you've reversed this to the point where you introduce the potential overarching threat and something theoretically that's interestingly well, here's in what the should happen. They should have the army under Quaritch should have destroyed Jake's uh people. And what's, nice. and what's left should have gone into hiding, and that's what made him go to the reef. Oh, you want to know the yep. you, want to, you want to know the comical thing about this? I mean mm -hmm. this. You know how many Navi you see die in this movie? Not a lot. Like five, maybe. <clears throat> one hand. Yeah. Probably one Navi hand. Maybe well, with a middle finger. <laughs> no, that would have to be a human hybrid, because they don't have pinkies. Yeah. No, the, the no, no, the human hybrids have oh my yes. God. Like the regular Navi have three. Know, three. Nope. Yeah. Oh, I... They have this. And then yeah. hybrids have five digits. But uh, like, no, I agree. No, 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 no. Now we have to talk about the difference between the sea people and the forest now. <laughs> you got to no. behave. You got to be good. Mission accomplished. <laughs> no, the, the point there, though, is this is supposed to be a big war that we're worried about. Mm -hmm. and look I've been accused of being misanthropic in the past and with good reason again with good reason <laughs> <laughs> when even I'm sitting here going buddy you've lost the plot a little bit because <laughs> James Cameron is happy to violently murder and have children <clears throat> violently murder all kinds of humans 
Yeah. Number of Navi fatalities <coughs> visible on screen in this. Ex again, it's it's five. If it's six, I'd be shocked. I mean, one of them is a kid, so that counts twice. Oh, I didn't. I wasn't counting him. Hang on. For some reason, like the emotion of that sort of soup. So okay, even you know what? No, even with him, like you get one that's theoretically dead when they when they get bombed in the beginning during the train robbery. Right. Right. You get one there. You get maybe two during the battle over the whaling ship. Right. Meanwhile, maybe. even the Navi bad guys are all like slaughtered. Yeah. If By the way, I was totally having Family Guy vibes at one point because they've they've now made these arrows to where they can penetrate through the ships, whether it's the could, fucking steel or the glass or whatever. No, they could go <laughs> through the glass before, which just goes to show how useless those ships are. Like, well, I kept thinking like like the Family Guy Star Wars thing. It's like, why do we even wear this armor? No, like Jake can take them out with like a burst of machine gun fire. Mm -hmm. uh, Natiri is happy to just you know harpoon them through the glass. <laughs> like these things are useless. Yes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far, but I, like, let's not go into the physics analysis of how likely it would be for a Navi to penetrate whatever material is, is in it. This isn't like, you know, seeing, what is it, Rogue One, where, was it Felicity Jones, like 50 pounds sopping wet, takes out a baton and knocks out a stormtrooper through their helmet. Yeah, that was pretty dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what, what are the only thing these helmets can protect stormtroopers from is doors. That's like the only canonically thing I've ever seen a stormtrooper hit their head on and not be knocked out by. That's about right. No, I, like, seriously, stormtroopers are the most useless soldiers in the all of science fiction. Bad yeah, guy armor never works. I know. It's it, like, like just just once, just once, I want someone to like smack a stormtrooper on the head, and the stormtrooper just looks at them and is like, seriously. I'm I'm thinking back to like Lord of the Rings, like the Urukai. Did their armor like penetrate? You know, uh, no, no, their, their armor worked. Okay, yeah, okay so the Lord of the Rings, the armor work. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, that, like, they actually make a big deal. That's why the big heroes are so effective against them is because they know how to fight the armor. Mm -hmm. When you see some of the other guys try and fight them, like the lower level, like the cannon fodder, mm -hmm. narratively speaking, they struggle to get around the armor. Like, right. they Meanwhile, Natiri's fucking taking out helicopters with a longbow. Yep. Because we've not learned anything during the time period. <laughs> like, all those people went back and reported on everything that happened. So you know what? Same glass. Nothing bad will happen. Can we not make helicopters that are penetrable by fucking longbows? Is that possible in the future that we're living in with spacefaring technology? I think we might even have that technology now. But anyway, again, let's. Do you really want to? Do you really want us to go full Mister Wizard on this, or shall no, we? No, not at all. Please keep going, Robert. Yeah, just in, for the sake of the story, Navi arrows can penetrate helicopter windows. I'm they're, fine with that. They're hmm. sure the the tips they have like unobtainium arrowheads. Whatever. Yep. Sure. Whatever. <clears throat> I don't know what we're doing with Quaritch here. I don't know why we brought him back. I don't know. Revenge plot. I don't awesome care. actor. I like Stephen Lang. I, I, I like yeah. Stephen Lang. So I'm not I'm not sad about the guy getting work. No, but that's the answer is that they were just they wanted to do the stupid revenge story. So killing. I, OK, so l let me ask you this then. Mm -hmm. Killing him, even if they kill him again, it makes no difference. Right. Actually, I was kind of hoping that they well, would kill him in every movie. And then just by like movie five, <laughs> like, oh, look, another Quaritch. That, like, well, have you heard that he's the villain through the whole fucking thing? That sure, like, they, why not? <laughs> They've all they've already killed any tension any of these movies are gonna have because the villain, you know, because they they won't 
go with a new villain, they're gonna he's just gonna keep escaping. Or has that been officially no. said, or is they gonna give him? They could give him some other interesting arc to to go. I with. read a thing that he's the villain through the whole thing. Ah, okay. So he's so, either, so, again, he's either going to escape, or they're going to kill him, and another clone shows up, which is just stupid. Sure. Yeah. End of every movie. I'll get you next time, Sully. Yeah. Next, <laughs> next time. I'd rather they just leaned into the stupidity. <laughs> like, I mean that. Just having fucking like the helicopter hat away. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, so I have to yell about the children and their arcs in this because it's really dumb. Even by teenage standards, these are the dumbest kids in the world. Our opening bit. Hey, we're on spotter duty to make sure that enemy aircraft don't show up. Now we got to go down there and get some guns. Okay. All right. Five minutes later, hey, let's go wander off to the battlefield where we're never supposed to go towards the shack of mystery. And that's I'm going to bring my I'm going to follow my dumbass younger brother because I'm responsible and want to try and take care of him. And by the way, let's bring female water Jesus and the toddler. <laughs> At what point do you think bringing the eight year old along on these things is a good idea? <laughs> I say that. Hang on. I say that only because there's a much more there's a much more egregious example of this right near the end. Where dumbass goes off to find out edgy outsider whale, and they're swimming past like female water Jesus on her eel doohickey with the tot with eight year old on the back, and he's going into dangerous territory. You don't want him there, and you don't think, okay, go swim back to shore. You don't think to take the small child out of the <laughs> equation. She has the dumbest line in this movie, like the, the little kid, like after they get kidnapped, one of the many times they get kidnapped oh, over and say. over <laughs> and over again, she goes back to try and help and gets kidnapped again and gets tied up to another guardrail. And she's like, I can't believe I'm tied up again. Like you're the dumbest person in the world. That moment, I swear, I thought at the front of my mind, and this is when Robert's head explodes. You're okay. not wrong. Wait, in defense of that line, my whole fucking family thought that was hysterical. Like your we family about... are. <laughs> Shut up. But I, I'm not no shit. We were all talking about the movie, and everyone agreed that was the best line of the movie. Okay, one. Your the taste of that goes on in your house is of dubious merit. Well, second, God, is that a damning indictment on the rest of this film, even from your perspective? It, it, it did get a chuckle from my theater too. I um, also dead like... silence in mine. Dead <laughs> silence. I mean, yeah, the, no, the, I... the funniest line in the film was when Jake's chewing the kids out for getting into the fight. Oh yeah, and then no, after like, yeah, go away. He's like, no. How the other guys look? How the other Worse? guys? Look? Yeah. Yeah, worse, a lot worse. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the line. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the line. Well, I, real quick, I one of the things I did like about this it was, but this was a personally resonant thing with me is a the line about, and I put this in my Facebook uh, post. A father protects his children is what makes him whole, or something like that. Gives him is what gives him meaning. Yeah, like I, I personally related to that. I, I like, mm -hmm. like, look, there's good stuff in the subtext of this movie. It's mm -hmm. just surrounded by rock stupid stuff. And so it's well, like, the, you know. the main character of the film is basically dumbass son. Like, I think we spend mm -hmm. the most time with him. He has the most yep. stuff. Whereas Jake just kind of, he's, he's there for being disapproving dad. And then at the beginning he has I, his, oh, see, wait, I, war is dangerous. Maybe I, I shouldn't fight anymore. And then end of the film, okay, I, I need to fight now. 
and, and she think, spends most of the middle of the film being like a housewife, but then she just basically murders half the yeah half well, the crew of the ship at the end. So I guess it kind of evens out. Here's the thing: over the three hour span, I think the time is divided evenly between all of our principal people to where Jake gets good hero moments, the kids get good hero moments. Mm -hmm. I don't think this isn't one of those situations where we have to sideline Doctor Strange so that we can promote America Chavez. I don't. I would not accuse this movie of that. I think everybody got equal time and equal hero moments. I, I got a bit of a vibe that they're probably setting up Dumbass Son to possibly continue the franchise at some point. At some yeah. point, mm -hmm. I don't think that, I don't think they're, they're going to kill Jake off in the next film. But at some point down the line, I wouldn't be surprised if. I guarantee you, the son's going to stab him on a bridge somewhere. Please no. <laughs> As it gets converted to the dark side. That no, you're drawing from the wrong franchise. Hang on, I'll get to I'll get to that in a minute. I think if anyone oh. goes to the dark side, it would be Spider. I mean, holy crap, Natira, you almost knifed me. <laughs> and just haphazardly goes back about his business with them in the immediate aftermath. Yeah, like it's like should we yeah, be he very conversation? He, he very no no no. He very much was like, I understood what you were doing. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, like like you would think that there would be at least be like a moment of like Terry saying like, "Look, Spider, I'm sorry, I couldn't tell you. Like, I need no, to make it look real." Kid. But no, no, <laughs> fuck him. And he's like, "I could go with the murdering Marine, who's now a Navi, or I can go with you guys." And <laughs> I right, keep going, Robert. Although I, I will, I will give him credit for one thing before we move on. At least they didn't do the whole he signed up with Quadrus, like you guys abandoned me and left me to die with the enemy. You know, yeah, no, thank no, God no, we were spread that true. This this yeah. movie could have been so much bad, so yeah. much stupider. So, so, no, yeah, right. I, no, that. Yeah. Hang on, that's <clears> coming <throat> at the end of three. Yeah, possibly. Okay. Keep going, Robert. <sighs> All right. Um. Other. Okay. I again, like James Cameron is trying to do in some places, like the crappy teenage drama, but he doesn't get it. <sighs> As an object lesson for anyone else out there, for the record. There's a degree of hazing that boys in particular do. Mm -hmm. Usually involves a plunger. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> you guys had very different upbringings to me. Whatever, nerd. Look, if they shove you in a locker, you kind of you kind of take the heat for them, right? Like, okay, you know, no, you don't want to make a fuss. If they, I mean, they tried to kill this kid. <laughs> No, no, this wasn't a thing that got out of hand, right? right. Like, this wasn't a, hey, let's take him out where he's not to deeper water than he's used to, and we'll laugh at him as he flounders around, and then we'll rescue him. Like, okay, no, we're all good now. Like, it wasn't that. And then and then the shark shows up. Like, that's understandable. This was, let's take this idiot out there to where no one knows where he is. <clears throat> we will get him to make himself look like bait, and we will leave. And the giant underwater fish will kill him. Yeah, and he doesn't know how to get back, by the way. That was a big part of that. Like, again, there's hazing that occurs. You can argue whether mm -hmm. or not it's good or bad. But, like, if someone, again, if someone, like, locks you out of the locker room when you're in your boxer shorts and you have to, like, walk around, like, mm -hmm. getting locked out of a building in your underwear is kind of, like, that's one of the things that happens. Sure. You don't like that's one of those circumstances. You're where, not driven out to the middle of the fucking woods. You don't know where you are or how to get back, and you have no clothing. And, and tied to and some railroad tracks. Covered <laughs> in honey. He's tied to a fucking tree covered in honey and salmon. Yes. Like, again, there's degrees to this <laughs> straight up deliberate, premeditated, attempted murder. You don't take the heat for that. 
That's a bad, like, if that person becomes your friend after that, you're their lackey. <laughs> right, you're, you're, and, now you're their goon. And they're a sociopath. <laughs> like, no, not how this works. Yeah, I almost wish there was, like, a scene where, like, you know, like, are, like can we at least, like, not be enemies? And I was like, yeah, okay, sure, but I'm still going to call you, like, you know, wood, you know, like, forest kid. Okay, fine, I'm just, I'm going to keep reminding that you tried to murder me. Here's what's funny about this. A lot of the writing that we're complaining about it's an easy fix. It really they, they didn't mean to leave him out there. The shark scared them away and he didn't, you know, and he missed it or something that fixes yeah. that. Uh, like, no, I, I mean, again, like the other way you do this, like you take him out there and he, you know, again, it's not stuff he's used to, or he gets a little bit lost <laughs> or his, you know, his eels, like he's not used to swimming that deep or whatnot. Like you can still mess with him and then have them be in immediate proximity. It's like, all right, you know, we don't like you, but you know, we're screwing with you. And then the like the creature shows up somewhat apropos of like different circumstances, not like hey, make yourself look like bait, right? Uh, yeah. So there's that. It's just saying so much of the writing is an easy fix, but like no one. If it's like every this is one of those movies where a lot of dumb shit happens because it needs to for the plot the amount to happen. Of, like yeah, I can't the, the, wait for the pitch meeting on this. The amount of very dumb decisions made so plot <coughs> is like all of them. Yeah. Um, okay. Kiri's arc is very annoying because they're trying badly to set up a sort of like quasi science versus religion thing with her. And I'd say mm -hmm. trying. I don't know that they're succeeding. Well, I, I would say failing if they're doing that because they already established that there's a scientific explanation for all the religious stuff. I know. <laughs> I know. This is why it's failing. <laughs> but they're kind of trying with that. And her just, you know, immediately being very adaptable to the water is fine. And then in season three, when they go to Bossing Say, where there is no war, uh, she'll immediately become very good with the Earth, I'm sure. Because we know that's coming. Yes, yeah, she's eventually going to become an all-elemental bender. She's going to become the Avatar, like the, the real Avatar. She enters the Avatar state and she fixes everything. And then becomes yep. one with Awa, who emerges would... from the heart of the planet as the celestial she was always supposed to be. That would actually be pretty awesome if they ripped off Avatar The Last Airbender and <laughs> changed their title for it being Avatar. <laughs> oh, no, I guess we know which Avatar wins. <laughs> I'm almost positive. <laughs> like, Avatar sticks The Last Airbender. You motherfuckers. We're gonna, like, are we seriously going to pretend that James Cameron isn't petty? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm almost imagining that my cartoon is like, hey, wow, this is a good idea. Wait, this is my idea. I can't tell if my son would be happy or throw his pants at the screen if that happens. Uh, doesn't he usually do both? Yes. <laughs> so there's your answer. Yeah, yeah, there's your answer. Um, okay. I hate the length of this movie. I yeah. don't think it needs to be this long. They could, they could probably trim 30 minutes out of it. Easily. Yeah. You could easily shave 30 minutes off of this. The end. Okay. I have my to, poor bladder. My poor, poor bladder. You could Here, have real. You could have reduced that first hour. Well, I, I, I went in knowing it was that long. I sat a corner seat next to the aisles. I didn't get snacks or drinks or anything. And even still, you you take that first hour and you edit to a proper ten minute opening. We're good. That's where you cut from. Now, there's other places you cut. Like we don't need as much of the water tribe as we get. Like there, mm. there's just so much there. Can, that's can, actually, can we talk about that? So Quaritch's plan. This is not a bad one. Where he's like going from beach to beach, 
and like slaughtering people and like you know tell me where Jake is and they're like who, who the fuck is Jake? Here's the thing: none of these people fought back. None of these people have weapons. None of these people get wise. None of these people like. <laughs> I love the fact that like the assumption about the American colonialism of native of North American Native Americans was the Native Americans just fucking laid down and let it happen. Yeah, is like that what we're saying? That's what Cameron's saying because he's an idiot. Like these people didn't fucking fight back and fight back hard like and just lost and just lost. It's like it, it's unfortunately like it there, happens. Like there weren't numerous <clears throat> instances of Native Americans massacring. Right. Like that happened. Like they it was a war. Like we, we refer to it as such. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Canada we had the French Indian War. Guess who that was between? It's not the <laughs> Indians from India. Yeah. <laughs> like my, my point is like they make the Navi pacifist to the point of there's no reason why they wouldn't have been wiped off of Pandora by now. They're You're, that they're that much pussy. Here's the other problem I have with this. Okay, so well, let's talk about the whaling real fast. Okay. <laughs> because it's thrown in there <clears throat> in such a weird way. If we discovered something like this brain juice that stops human aging, wasn't a giant point in? I know that like this movie likes to pretend that the first movie didn't exist, other than like the name recognition. Mm-hmm. But a giant part of the first movie was the public outcry back on Earth about what was going on on Pandora. The entire re- that. yeah, no, that that was one of the things. Like that's why um, <coughs> what's your face is there. Like that's why the scientific team is there to begin with, because the. Uh, the company that is mining the unobtainium doesn't want a public relations nightmare. And okay, fair enough. But if the people on earth are that in, are that like informed potentially about what's going on here, you'd think that the wholesale slaughter of sentient life, (laughs) pacifist, intelligent, sentient life, would be causing a bit of a stir, don't you think? Do but the humans no. know that like the whales are basically also Indians? The marine biologists yes. there did, so yes. Okay, then that is a valid point because essentially we're like, so what? Are, so what's the plan? We're gonna go to North America. We're gonna kill the Indians, chop their heads off, and suck their brains out because their brains make for great perfume. Well, the elixir of immortality—that's a bit of a difference. Still wrong, very wrong. Well, hang on. Here's what would <laughs> my I... point is: no one would allow this. Yeah, you like... and I value perfume very differently. That is oh very my god. True. <laughs> no, no, that is very true. I know you two do that. Um, <laughs> but no, no. Can I just say this? This might sound really weird about the Avatar franchise, but I'm more interested in this version of Earth that he's concocted than I am in anything that's going on in Pandora. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I'd kind of really like to see what exactly is like, Earth like, because all of a sudden we have the technology to it's the same copy thing. people's minds and I, put them in I, I, I need there to be the connected universe between this and Lost in Space. Like, I want, I want Earth to be the Lost in Space Earth, and that's what sent them to Pandora. Uh, I mean, we've got that, but like, they keep saying, you know, the Earth is dying. <laughs> that's not a thing you can just kind of throw out there. Like, how? Why? Right. Uh, global warming. But, Five bucks says global warming because everything global is global warming. warming. Sure. Like, but like fracking, what? we frack the earth in half. Ooh, that's another good one too. Yeah. Don't, don't get me started. 
Like we're, we're we're not going into whether the, the legitimacy of these claims, just like that would be the claims that they would use. Yeah, so you yeah. so what happened was we built the Keystone pipeline and the earth cracked. <laughs> uh, but I'm a tumor. I, I, I'm a tumor. Yeah, the point, but I mean, the point there is like, what is going on on Earth that's like <laughs> a, getting us to this point here? Like, in the first movie, it kind of made sense that, you know, okay, the Earth's not in a great spot, and we found this other planet, and there's this mineral that we're trying to mine, and there's a problem, and, you know, conflict. Now it's just like, okay, we're going from here to here, and we don't know anything about what happened in between. So, there's the again. There's the whaling, which again, no one's in favor of whaling at this point. And that entire sequence is unbearably drawn out. And I don't mean it's uncomfortable in the way that he thinks it's uncomfortable. I mean it's just boring. <coughs> I also have to question these whales, these catfish whales, just a little bit. You see, unless they just cut off this bit of what happened, the I don't know what killed the calf. Like, like just starvation, like I guess. It okay, so please, why is our group of hyper intelligent, sentient, a very emotional? They're very in tune with their emotions, Mark. Don't you understand? They're they're emotional beings. Yes. Why are they not just like going back to rescue the infant? <laughs> because it looks really, really sad to see the dead body there when we get. The I'm movie. aware that it looks sad, but if you don't explain it, it's just cheap. And All that scene was missing was the fucking music from the PETA commercial or whatever. <laughs> in, in the arms of an angel, yeah. <laughs> it's it's tacked on in ways that just don't make sense. Like dropping the hey, we found the secret to stop human aging. As a as a throwaway bit, I'm sorry. <laughs> like <laughs> that's actually more interesting than anything else this movie does. <laughs> uh, so that's a whole. It's also like... way overwritten. Like you don't need the secret to fucking. Again, I made the perfume joke because they legit killed whales to make perfume. Mm -hmm. Okay, like, we well, we we killed, killed animals for, for fucking less. Like he's like, oh, we have to create this really big. What would make a human kill a whale? Well, it'd be something really important, like the you know, you know, like the fountain of youth. Nope, we'll do it for fucking cigarettes. Like we, no, no, nobody cares. I mean, it, to be fair, most of the time when we killed whales, it was for oil, mm -hmm. because whale oil was like it burned like a miracle. And but do you know, do you know why we stopped? Why? Gasoline. Because we, because we synthesized it. Ah, <laughs> right. Like we found. <coughs> Like and that's what would happen with this stuff. Like the right. first glob, the the first shipment of that is very valuable, until some enterprising rival corporation gets their hands on it, and makes a synthetic version. At which point we never have to kill another one of these things at all. Right. So this is yet another example of them writing things that under any kind of. So I want to really quickly address this because I should have said this earlier, but I know we have friends in our like podcast group and there are people who listen to this show and i sometimes think people listen to this show because they're like how could you possibly hate this thing oh my god they spent two hours talking about how much they hated it why so here's the thing listen to the two hours of talking that's kind of the point we'll tell you <laughs> here yeah. here's here's what i want to say if you're listening to this it's because at its at its core we can identify where movies under any scrutiny will not stand up 
Now, I understand people will watch these movies and not scrutinize them. And maybe you're interested in hearing under scrutiny what is wrong with these movies. And that's why you're here with us today. But for those of you who are like, I don't want to scrutinize the movie. I don't want to know what's wrong with it. I just wanted to enjoy it. Boy, is this not the podcast for you. This podcast is about scrutinizing the movie and seeing if it stands up. This the hour and 20 minutes we've been talking, or hour because the first 20 minutes was not about this. This hour that we've been talking is about the fact that the writing is so bad that under look, we're not looking at this movie that deeply. Like we're not seeing, we're not like doing like really in-depth examinations of theme. We are literally talking about plot elements. And not a single plot element was able to stand up against any minor scrutiny. Like, we're not geniuses here. We're talking about basic storytelling and going, that don't make no sense. That don't make no sense. That's dumb. That could have been easily fixed. So for people like our good friends who are like, I was entertained. There's nothing wrong with this movie. No, there's a lot wrong with this movie. I'm glad you, you were entertained. It's very entertaining. Yeah. But that doesn't mean there's anything. That doesn't mean it's perfect. Yeah, like that's kind of why we do this. Like, you can still enjoy it, and if mm-hmm. you did, Godspeed and party on, man. I go back and listen to our talking about Violent Night, where we were like struggling to come up with anything because that movie survived. Like, we thought about it, we talked about it, and it stood up against scrutiny. Everything made sense. There wasn't anything written Pretty in much. that movie that's like that's written that way just so the plot can happen. Nope, that movie that movie passes the screenwriting test. This one fails it miserably. Yep. Conclude your your craft analysis so we can move on. Okay. The CGI in this movie is, I mentioned it earlier, I gotta say it again. Large stretches of it look great. Genuinely great. Then there's janky stuff. There's a couple of action sequences (laughs) where Navi on the side of the screen, like, don't properly line up with what's going on. Um, There's an issue with the rendering or or the compositing in different places where like what's going on in the foreground is happening faster than the background is moving or vice versa. And it's really off putting. Uh, I didn't see this in 3d, but I know people that did. And apparently they, they had the same problem I did. Like there's parts that there's again, lots of it looks brilliant and beautiful. And then there's parts when <clears throat> like you clearly skimped uh, either for time or budgetary reasons and just went, okay, no one's going to pay attention to that. And well, some of us did, and it hurts my eyes. Um, On the (laughs) positive side of things, James Cameron is still pretty darn good at framing action. Like the finale to this movie is uh, it's overwrought. And I I mentioned it contains more false finishes than your average Kenny Omega match, which And it's just about as masturbatory. <laughs> but for the most part, it, it tracks well. You can follow it. <clears throat> the stakes are pretty well defined. Most of it looks good. So there's that going for it. It's, it's too long. And there's too much of like James Cameron's greatest hits crammed into the end of this. Because here's a fire, and here's someone falling into it, and here's a sinking ship, and here's a false finish. And 
uh, here's the helicopter scene. From, it, it, like He's riffing on everything he's already done. If you rewatch the end of this, I guarantee you, if you pay attention, you will see <laughs> ending of Terminator 2, the ending of True Lies, and the ending of Titanic mashed together. And Ugh, it's a problem. It's just a problem. Oh, maybe the dumbest thing anyone in this movie does. Maybe. As the children are trying to escape the sinking ship, the water lights on fire. The, the spilled fuel ignites. And for some reason, none of these people who have spent the last two and a half hours learning to swim and be in the water decide to just swim under the fire. They get back on the sinking ship. And I wanted to throw something. <laughs> How are you this dumb? <clears throat> it's. I have to yell briefly about Spider because that character has maybe the most potential. Like, and I mean that sincerely. Like being torn between two worlds, like that is a real thing. And maybe you could have done something with this character, but you have a fairly mediocre at best actor. You don't give him much to do other than give him a complex for the rest of his life with all the diet pills you had him on to look like that, and have him run around in a loincloth for the whole time. Like, I'm sorry, as soon as he's in the custody of the Marines, the kid is at least wearing pants. <laughs> hey, kid, you dick shaman. Put these pants on. At which point he complains that he doesn't have the prehensile <laughs> fleshlight growing out of the back of his head, and he feels very <laughs> self-conscious about it. He identifies as a Navi, Mark. Who are you to question his identity? Uh, look, I'm not here to kink shame. I am. James, <laughs> which is the other thing. Like, James Cameron, with your weird fetish for these, like, fruitage, <clears throat> as people hold down these animals so that someone else can rub their glowy, fleshy appendage into their glowy, fleshy appendage and make them their friend. I don't know who hurt you, Cameron, <laughs> but this is starting to go in some weird directions. <laughs> I would appreciate James Cameron if you would not work out your trauma on the $200 million motion picture. Uh, who was the other guy we yelled at that about? Very, uh, I, I forget, a couple of years ago, there was a movie that was like very expensive. And yeah. Was director working I remember, I, I remember us making that same joke about like, stop working out your fucking sexual trauma on screen. We're not interested. Not for the budget you got. <laughs> yeah. like, I, that was the line. It was like, you know, the studio executive should really be pissed off at this director for funding like their process. It was the Matrix. Oh, it was. It was. Stop. <laughs> uh, or again, like, your vor fetish? Like, okay. Kid gets swallowed by a whale, which then un like unfolds an appendage that slaps him in the face repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, that was a very strange place to put that appendage on it. Like, like from the moment the kid, like, met the whale and was trying to talk to us, like, like every one of these creatures on this planet has, like, a, a socket to plug <laughs> into, like... You know, look on look on the dangly things under it. That seems to be where they usually are, but like, it, it's it's in the back of the throat. Like, why? And, and it's it? all rolled up like a cinnamon roll. The, listen, the back of the throat is where the most action is and where the most fun is had. That's absolutely not true, and you know it. <laughs> okay. No, it's re it's really not. <laughs> so, James Cameron's weird like fetishization of what's going on here aside. <laughs> There are a couple of things working in this movie's favor. Again, it looks very good. The action is pretty darn good. <sighs> Jake Sully is not treated like an idiot. 
Mm-hmm. And bear in mind, that doesn't mean he makes good decisions the whole way through. He doesn't. But he is never... Uh, there's a habit that a lot of mo- modern movies have, and we've talked about this, and not to get political about this, this is a trend. Hang on, I mean that. Like, mm-hmm. we've noted the trend, right? Right. Your male leads tend to be treated like idiots. Okay. Hey, around them. Minutes. What? We're at, we're at almost 90 minutes. Yeah, I know. Okay. So I, I'm going to wrap this up. So... Again, Jake might screw up, and he might be dumb, but he's no dumber than everyone else around him. And he gets his heroic moments, and his motivation is sound, (coughs) and he's not undercut, he's not made to be a joke, and people will respond to that. They will respond to your heroes being heroic. Who'd have thought, right? It only took this and Top Gun Maverick to kind of try and shake people awake to the reality that we all knew for all of human history and storytelling idiots um there's a pretty solid like family message going on here like the family's a, f- a strong unit and it's His and that's some... fortress and i mean yeah, look again we stick together and for as badly as it's handled that is kind of a nice change of pace from mm-hmm. like so much of the rest of the crap that's out there there is a um i i, I want to use this word um there is a like a like a conservative bent to this movie where that's concerned. You know, I people like like why why is why is family a conservative thing? Well, your side kind of takes family and says that family can be anything. Um, but this is very much about like the a family can be a single person and their cat. <laughs> this is very much like the importance of the actual nuclear family structure. Which it's what? the fun, look, setting aside my religious beliefs, which mm-hmm. which hold that it's like the fundamental building block of the eternities. It is the fundamental building block of society, even if all we want to look at it is we like, talked about this in a previous movie where like it's <clears throat> there's a lot of talk about families can be anything and, you know, it's all relative and all of that. And then there's, you know, the counter argument of like, no, families work really, really well this way. Not not every family and this can fall apart very easily when you get way too in the weeds with it but as a general principle you know good strong nuclear family is good strong building block of society yeah the question is not like is every individual at the individual level going to exist happily in this situation because again that like you said that gets like when you atomize it that far Mm -hmm. okay like we're all individuals that does change but i bring it up what do you want but like but what do you want your What do you want your civilization built on? There are so few, like, cultural conservative messages and themes in modern movies that aren't, like, summarily dismantled or or, um, disrespected. So I just wanted to piggyback on your point, like, because it's, I, I, I resonate, it resonated with me, but I didn't think about it because I was thinking about all this other stuff. But you're absolutely right. Like, for all, you know, for all of the sort of, liberal uh, environmental messages you know and the you know white man bad colored man good kind of stuff that james cameron likes to do he's also like hey family's good too that's cool yeah and again it it, that's gonna resonate with a lot of people i think doing it to its credit Mm -hmm. um have any other positives 
I feel like we made uh, David really uncomfortable. By the no, way, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I've been around for this long. Like I <laughs> just, you know, like I, I think we've kind of covered everything or everything yeah. of note. Yeah, again, like I echo all the positives <coughs> you guys had as a general rule. You know, it's a lot of it still looks good. The tech still looks good. All right, so you're good here. I can move on. Uh, my only, as far as recommendations go, if you liked the first one, you'll probably like this one. Yep. If you didn't like the first one, save yourself. Yep. <laughs> and there's. Hi, Alexis. Here's my here's my only question about this, and I because you guys had a different experience with this movie than I did. You had a much more positive one. I don't understand at all people saying I'm going to see this a second time. Yeah, no, this has no rewatch value for me. Because I, I've I've heard people say it, and I don't understand. The and only I, reason I would rewatch this is if I had a friend that wanted me to take them. But as far as, like, I want to see it again because I feel like I missed something or I want to relive that experience, that's a negative for me, boss. Like, I I will probably get the fancy extended edition Blu-ray, whatever it is. By the way, the extended edition first film is is worth looking at if you like the first movie like the the 17 minutes james cameron adds is a he he picks a good 17 minutes to add to the film but on occasion he does like on occasion he does that i mean the the director's cut of aliens is much better oh my god the director's cut of aliens is fantastic yeah do you remember sean and i got into a big argument about that i do (laughs) but yeah like i don't need to go and see it in 3d again i'm like again like i don't want to have to I'm not gonna lie, it didn't stay the, with me the, either. The, the, the length, the length is it's big the biggest thing for me is I I just I want to be able to pause the film, get up, go to the washroom, is, grab a sandwich, hey, let me, come let me, back to it. Let me draw a comparison. Joker stayed with me for a while. Yeah. Joker had mm-hmm. me thinking. Joker made me very emotional. I wanted to hit Robert and Alexis about it. Different story. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'll never forgive you guys for that. But um, like Joker stayed with me. It stayed with the culture for a while. Like Joker was real. Joker wasn't just like emotionally resonant. It was like culturally resonant. Joker, yeah. Joker the, the was a sequel, happening. The sequel is mm-hmm. going to be such a the sequel is going to suck out loud. I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. The sequel is going to hurt me and touch me in places it shouldn't. But um, <clears throat> it's going to take its you know fleshy prehensile fleshlight appendage and it's going to try and force its way into yours. Yep. Anywho, mm-hmm. Avatar doesn't have anywhere close to that. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, reasons to go see things multiple times besides multiple dates and friends and whatnot. Like, just just to have the experience again. Not even Top Gun Maverick, which I did see multiple times, but that was because of the people I was involved with. Like, Top Gun Maverick, I could have seen once, and it was like, this was fantastic. I am hard as a rock, and I'm done now. You know, like Avatar, like, it was... We got back in the car. You know, the kids and I and Kelsey are all talking about it. And then I went home and completely forgot. Like I, I, I hung on to the Batman more than I hung on to this movie. And maybe that's a personal thing, but I, like, I would be really curious to see if anyone was like, "I have to go back and re-experience this movie again." Like, I, I don't want to leave that world again. I'm like, nope. The the movie was over, and I'm like, and I'm good now. Let's go home yeah. again. Like I've seen, I've heard people say, "I want to see it again." I'm gonna like, I and I don't get it. Like, I, yeah, I don't anyone mean- out there. If you're listening and watching this live, if you do plan on seeing this a second time, you have a couple of minutes here while we talk about the money, because that's what we're going to segue into. Type out a comment. Let us know why. Why do you want to see this a second time? We'll put it up on screen. And I'm just I'm not going to mock you mm-hmm. for this unless you say something really dumb. But I'm genuinely just curious. Like, what is the appeal <laughs> of seeing of 
paying again and investing four hours, because when it's all said and done, this is a four-hour experience, like between driving, previews, movie, etc. Like, well, the previews were mercifully short. I just uh, we walked in, in the theater. We locked in literally as the humans were raising Pandora, so I missed all that. Okay, yeah. But, yeah, we had like maybe two or three trailers. We got the Oppenheimer trailer, which was kind of yeah? like, oh, cool! Didn't know that was out yet. I'm uh, very, very much excited. Next fucking that, July, but, people. Yeah, where, whereas with the last, the last. Like when we want to see Wakanda forever, it's like if I have to see one more damned car commercial, I am going to kill someone. You're not wrong. <laughs> Speaking I of car paid, commercials, I paid thirty dollars for this film, and I'm being shown commercials for things that are not films. Yes, welcome to the movies in the twenty first fucking century. Here it's comes the money. Bugs they me. suck. Great. And that's what grinds my gears. <laughs> Thanks, David. On a budget of astronomical, <laughs> on a budget, <laughs> on a budget of the gross national product of Germany, pretty close, um, five hundred yeah. billion maybe, close, not, inclu um, not including marketing. <clears throat> on the high end, the budget was four hundred and sixty million dollars. That was pretty close. This thing, yeah, you're not bad. Uh, this thing made four hundred and forty-one point seven million dollars. That's worldwide currently. And, and okay, and for the record, I'm betting that the high end of that is actually still low. Like there's I bet this thing crossed the five hundred million dollar budget production budget. As of December eighteenth, twenty twenty two, which was yesterday as of this recording, Avatar The Way of the Waiter has grossed $134.1 million in the US and Canada and three hundred and seven point five million in other territories for a worldwide total as the aforementioned four forty one point six. Its global opening is the eleventh big. Were you Hello? going to share your screen, Mark? Maybe. I don't know if you wanted to do that or not. Just for the record, you had not yet. Thanks. <coughs> <coughs> See, now you made me cough. <coughs> is the eleventh biggest of all time, and the third largest of the pandemic era. It is the 10th highest grossing film of 2022, currently. James Cameron estimated that due to the film's near record-breaking budget, it would have to be among the top eight highest grossing films in history to break even. Probably true. But by December 14th, prior to the film's domestic release, Box Office Pro projected an opening weekend in the U.S. and Canada of 145 to $179 million, mm. with a total domestic gross of between 574 and 803 The film made $53 million on its first day, including $17 million from Thursday Night Previews, and went on to debut 134 million weekend, nearly double the original's opening of 77 million, but coming in below expectations. Yes, apparently this is not financially performing um, well, the way it's the way they wanted it to. Well, let's do a couple of things here about this when we talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. First of all, it is underperforming a little bit in China. Yep. Which it's got a China release, which is helping tremendously, but it is yep. underperforming <laughs> a little bit. A lot of the projections for this originally were, they were very optimistic. And I think everyone knew that right. like, as we got closer to the actual release, most projections got a lot closer to what it actually was. Again, that 130 number. So it kind of depending on who you're talking to, um, the projections were, again, there were some people out there being just wildly optimistic for no reason. So one of the things about this movie is, <clears throat> the internal math might be they're willing to take a bath on this one, but since they shot 
this and the next one, I think, simultaneously. Well, again, a lot of it, I'm not sure uh, because <laughs> the given that they haven't done all the VFX for three yet, mm-hmm. the production budget for three is going to be is still somewhat going to be its own thing. Like they've done a lot of shooting for two and three kind of back to back. That That's very true. So that helps. But there's still a lot of stuff that's going to go into three that is going to increase its budget even further. So, so I mean, as I was saying, the hope is that they'll make up the deficit on the next one. I think they're also hoping that with the soft reboot, this uh, Force Awakens style soft reboot of the Avatar franchise, that people will show up more for the next couple. And by the, I think the thinking on this is that they may give and take along the way, but the sum total of box office receipts, when it's all said and done for the entire project, will make this a profitable venture. It's kind of, we're going to invest a lot early on, and it'll pay off at the end, I believe, is the philosophy with this. That, that's yeah, probably the, the long game. Well, that depends on how crazy yeah. James Cameron gets between now and then, because for those mm-hmm. of you who may have missed this bit of news, <coughs> um, apparently the rough cut of Avatar 3 is in. James Cameron has submitted it. And it's nine hours long. Well, here's and what I think they're banking hang on. on. Hang think, on, No, wait. I think they're banking on, like, a Marvel type of thing, where by the time we get to six... You're gonna have end game level of enthusiasm. I think they're hoping for that. I think you're correct. That, like they're they're really hoping. I don't think they're gonna mm-hmm. get there. Like I don't know. I'm, I'm not calling this a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the other thing about Cameron movies, and this is true of him historically. Very rarely does James Cameron have big opening weekends. Like mm-hmm. it happens, but he doesn't. Like I don't think he holds any of the like biggest opening weekends ever records. I know Avatar is up there, but as a general rule, what makes his movies very successful is they have legs. Like people keep seeing them. You know, Titanic made as much money as it did, not because it had a smash like three weeks, but because it ran for like three months unopposed. People What's the window on this, though? Is this the usual 45 day window or did they get a special I, dispensation for him? That would be the question. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Like you'd have to look that up, but because Top Gun Maverick got special dispensation from Paramount to be out in theaters for like six months, or some and shit. it and it paid off. It, well, it, it did. Sure, it helps. Like, like it helps like, that Tom Cruise is a genuinely kind of likable human being, mm-hmm. and did no, I, I mean this? Like you remember mm-hmm. when you remember the opening to Top Gun Maverick? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just him in front of the camera going, "Hey." It was nice to revisit this character, but seriously, thank you for coming out, for spending your money, and for letting us entertain you. It means yep. a lot to us. I hope you enjoy the movie. And it's one of the weirdest, like, that remains one of the weirdest experiences <laughs> I've ever had in a theater. <clears throat> because people have tried to copy it since. Like, your average Marvel movie now has the cast at the start going, yay, thank you for coming out, and it's so phoned in. Yeah, it's fucking begging is what it is. Mm-hmm. And Meanwhile, like Tom Cruise, just very succinctly, and he's a good actor, so he might be faking it, but I kind of doubt it. No, I'm, I'm sure he's considering the state of movies right now. I'm sure he's genuinely happy. Yeah, just well, I think, uh, yeah, just I think like with those actors, like for the Marvel films, like this is they're contractually obligated to do this. Whereas I think yeah. Tom Cruise, like, I mean, especially in the case of <laughs> Maverick, this was a film he wanted to make. He made it the right. way he wanted to make it, 
and like he has that passion and that appreciation. So I think there's that air of authenticity when he does yeah. it. Yeah. That the others are like, and yeah, I mean, Tom Cruise is so, just an, a very charismatic guy. As far as this, the Avatar franchise goes, um, if here's my here's my thing, this can go one of two ways. They can have continually solid, crowd pleasing pictures. Never mind our craft review. Throw our craft review out. Let's just focus on the Chris Bay. Yeah, that, that doesn't that doesn't matter when it comes <clears throat> to the box office yeah. intake. It's people want a roller coaster ride, and they're getting a roller coaster if, ride. If they can make two that. or three more crowd pleasing general audience event pictures, they might get end game level enthusiasm at the end and box office receipts to match. If they last Jedi this thing, they're fucked. Here's here's kind of the same thing to that. You don't even. I don't even think they can. You you need something like Last Jedi to screw this up. Okay. I don't. I don't think you can make this movie again. And here's what I mean by that. Your story is going to matter for your next movie. Right. Like you mm -hmm. you got by on spectacle the first time for the most part. Right. The Avatar is ninety percent spectacle, ten percent story and character. It just is. Mm -hmm. You have about that same ratio here. Like that's the draw little bit of nostalgia look at the pretty pictures and please don't think about how stupid everything else is <laughs> I, I mean this like mm -hmm. even general audiences you can't do that again not on the timetable they're looking at like right you're but not that's gonna what get... i meant but that's also kind of what i meant by last jedi this because not only can you not do the force awakens a third time or second time or you can't you can't do star wars a third time you also can't go into this with your fancy fucking art project. You know, what is it? Uh, expectations. Um, what's the stupid phrase that with that got bandied about by Ryan Johnson? Subverting uh, expectations. Subverting expectations. Yeah. yeah, you don't don't go into these like trying to reinvent the wheel or some shit. Like stick to your tropey storytelling that's crowd pleasing. If they, that's what I mean by Last Jedi, because we, I'm already on record saying I like the movie. That's not what ditto. Um, but let's face it, Ryan Johnson was really trying to took a big swing on trying to do something different with Star Wars and aggravated at least 50% of the Star Wars fans out there More. in doing so because that's not what they wanted. So, James Cameron, if you want Endgame, you got to give the people, all the people what they want and with that said well, let's talk uh, about the actual uh, weekend like to, well, to, I... that, to that <clears throat> point you're gonna need an actual story here at some point <laughs> and, and i mean <clears throat> that sounds like i'm being dismissive i'm not mm -hmm. like we need to we need characters that we care about and we need a story that matters and you got by without that for two movies <clears throat> well i mean eventually they're gonna get to all the humans show up i mean we talked about this in the chat that isn't the conclusion gotta be Jake's reuniting all you know Jake Jake unites all the Indian tribes and all oh, yeah. you know and 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 Quaritch gets all the fucking earthlings to show up and we have just a giant battle of Pelennor fields you that's can't. gotta be where this is going no it doesn't no it doesn't why do you think that has to be where this is going how else of the how because that's how endgame ended and that's what everyone wants and Quaritch pointing his his double-ended sword at fucking at, at Scully and Scully going Avengers assemble and everyone runs at each other. 
I don't I'm, think it's going to pull off Avengers for, for simply because the Marvel films get by mostly on character. It mm-hmm. might not be consistent character, but like they know how to do character moments. They even know in most cases how to do okay let character you, arcs. Hang on, let me let me ask you guys a question. Think about our simplest of friends. Think about our friendly, wonderful, simplest of friends. What is it that they want? They want all the Navi and all the humans running at each other. And, and look, no, no, hang on. Here's my here's Wall my content. Wall of death. Here's my contention. Even the simplest of our wonderful friends will not stick with this franchise for five more movies if we don't have characters and an actual story to follow. Yeah, all right. So, that I'm not so, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Cameron's characters are good enough to match up with a Marvel character, and that's kind of a big thing. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, and but I also don't think he's going to last Jedi this thing because, like, the last Jedi was bringing in a different director, a different team that really, as near as I can tell, weren't really invested in the original property. I mean, I'm not going to go all Midnight's Edge no. on this, but no, but they, but the, the, Avatar the, the, is Cameron's thing, and it is still right. Cameron's thing, and Cameron loves and cares for yes. his project, this, and this, uh, thing you know, ha- he, this thing has a showrunner that's sticking with it for all the episodes. I get it. Yeah, as opposed to you know, what happened with the last Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, who's there. also invested in it. Like right. this is his baby. He yeah. knows no, this thing that. inside and out. So now, but, now if 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 we get diminishing returns, then maybe yeah. the suits are going to start saying like, you know, you're not making a, enough money to to, to justify in, you getting to do whatever the hell you want to do now, James. We're, so we're going to bring in Brett Ratner. But um, right now he's still two out of the three highest grossing films of all time are mine. And the rest of my filmography is still pretty damn solid too. So shut up and let me do my thing. All right. The number one movie of the weekend was, you know, of course, Avatar, the way of the water. No shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. To the shock of no one. <clears throat> Black Panther went went from one to two. Violent Night, two to three. Strange World, three to four. The Menu, four to five. Devotion, five to six. The Fablemans stayed at number seven. Uh, the 75th anniversary of It's a Wonderful Life debuted at number eight. Wow. All right. Uh, Black Adam, currently on HBO Max, went, fell from six to nine. I heard and the bells. Let us all take a moment, a moment <laughs> of silence for Black Adam being the final nail in the coffin of everything DC. Can I was telling my wife about this. Next year's going to be so weird because essentially DC, the DCEU is dead. But they still have to cough off three more movies. They have the Flash and whatever fucking condition that's in. Aquaman, which is now dead because Jason Momoa is moving on to Lobo. And um, Blue Beetle, which is, again, like the last gasp of a dying studio. So, like, nothing about 2023 fucking matters. Maybe they'll just uh, Batgirl them all. Maybe. If they were going to do that, they Mm -hmm. would do it with the Flash. Like you could st- like Aquaman still has a degree uh, because the Aquaman movie was actually an enjoyable experience and made over mm-hmm. a billion dollars. Like it's fine. Like Aquaman, they're gonna release, and even if it's mm-hmm. dead on arrival, like investment wise, it might still be a good movie to go see. The Flash is the one that they sh- really should just like. They should destroy that. Like yeah, I don't know if they like just stop it. Cancel the nope. Blue Beetle movie. Yeah, Can- cancel the Blue Beetle movie outright whatever wherever they are in production release aquaman yeah. and be done with this already and start fre- start anew what is it that uh, james gunn said like that they're only retaining um here, the cast here, of peacemaker on. here's what i've heard okay here's what i've heard the cast of peacemaker because james gunn likes them right 
um, the Rat King from the Suicide Squad. So random yeah. French chick. Oh, Rat Catcher too. <clears throat> yeah, Rat Catcher. Sorry. Um, Rat Catcher two. Two. Um, uh, Margot Robbie is Margot Harley Robbie. Quinn. Yep. For some reason. And she's good in the role. Please don't start him on the Margot Robbie thing. I don't have another hour. Okay, moving on. Um, they're gonna move Jason Momoa to Lobo. Right. In theory, and that's it. And then, then Amanda Waller. And God damn it! So, like I said, of all the stupid characters you decide, like of all the characters <coughs> you kill, of all that the things on you, you could have undone, of all the things James Gunn, you could have rid your cinematic landscape of. You decided to keep. Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. Why? Yeah, so, anyway, so my, my point is the DCEU, for all intents and purposes, is completely dead. Not yeah. Oh, and Shazam. I forgot about Shazam. So four movies. No, no, no. Okay, so that's got a release, but um, Zachary Levi's out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like we're going to watch these movies. I, I can't imagine any of them do more than 400 million. If that, who gives a fuck anymore? Like, if okay, people go if they're movies. mildly entertained by well, them, that's Hang on, it. hang on, hang on. Like, this is... I've seen this discussion on Twitter, and mm -hmm. I, I wish to... The counter-argument to this is they might be good movies. You know, people would go see movies that weren't connected to anything long... Like, you know, oh, no, why would you, why would you go see a good movie? Like, here's the problem with the argument. Like, they might be good movies. They might. For the last, what, decade? More? Everyone in Hollywood has gone out of their way to condition the theater goers that what matters is how these things interrelate, not right. how they stand on their own. Right. You're and there's being... a pile of franchise corpses at the foot of that thinking. There is. I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying this is what you've done. This is your monster. Right. But on you top of that, this. you also you also have and we've only said this a zillion times, so I'm not belaboring the point you've conditioned the entire audience of moviegoers to just wait for it to come on TV. That too. I'm telling you right now, you'll probably get a, you'll, you'll get a half decent audience for Shazam because it looks fun. It looks like something you can bring your kids to. No one's fucking going to see Blue Beetle. I fucking said that to my wife earlier today. I'm like, oh my God, this, yeah, I was telling her about the James Gunn thing and I was like, so the movies next year, Aquaman, Blue Beetle, Shazam, and uh, The Flash. And she's like, who the fuck is Blue Beetle? Exactly. <laughs> like, it's like, yes, comic nerds know who Blue Beetle is, but like the general audience don't know who the fuck Blue Beetle is. And you, DC doesn't have the cachet to pull off of your <clears throat> characters at the moment. No, they they, they 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 need to play the racism card. Hey, come see our Hispanic superhero, you're racist. That's about the only thing saving that movie. Yeah, that'll um, go over well. Anyway, uh, filling out the top yeah, that, 20. That's the pile of corpses next to the pile of corpses from the cinematic <laughs> universe copying. Yep. Empire of Light looks like it went into wide release that opened up in like 326 more theaters and that jumped from 21 to 11 spoiler alert 10 to 12 ticket to paradise which is now i believe on tbod 11 to 13 the whale stayed at 14 lyle lyle crocodile stayed at 15 the mean one mr grinch went mm. up to from 17 to 16 bones and all 12 to 17 that thing's crater and hard <clears throat> the banshees of inner sharing which is on the short list to be a uh, Best Picture nominee, 1918. I believe it's on HBO Max now. So if you haven't seen it, if you couldn't find a showing around you, you have HBO Max. Watch it. Very good movie. Uh, Pray for the Devil, 2019. And finally, coming in at number 20, uh, also on the short list for Best Picture, Tar, which jumped from 25 to 20. Other releases, Killer Raccoon 2, 
Dark Christmas in the Dark. Like the title. I'm yeah. Fairly, I feel like your son wrote that. <laughs> 29. It feels very Zuckers or, or yeah. Mel Brooks. It's also a re-release. Um, Airplane 2, the years. sequel. Spaceballs. <clears throat> the Almond and the Seahorse came in at number 35. So that was the weekend that was. Worldwide. Top Gun, Jurassic Park, Doctor Strange, Minions, Black Panther. Currently at 787, by the way. The Batman. And hang on. So, serious question. Yes. At this point, I don't think Black Panther hits 800 million. No, I don't think so either. Like it, it's it's gonna it's close to that, but I don't think they're beating. Like they're not. It's they're very clearly not catching Minions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the Minions have outdrawn every Marvel movie save one. <laughs> I know that tickles you in your in your naughty places. It really does. <laughs> Uh, Watergate Bridge at number eight, Moon Man, which was just an international feature, um, came in at number nine, and Avatar de- makes its debut in the top ten at number ten at four hundred and forty-one million. Okay, so serious question about Avatar. Yes. Where we're we thinking worldwide when it's done? I think it crosses the billion-dollar mark. Yeah, I think crossing a billion is pretty safe. I don't think it has much in its way, and for for a month <laughs> or two. That's going to help. Like Again, the lack of competition for the next little bit is going to help tremendously. I was going to say, well, here's the thing. It's got, depending on what the window is, if it's the 45-day window, yeah, it, like, it that, crosses a billion, but like barely, and it doesn't beat Top Gun Maverick. It's not beating Top Gun Maverick no matter what. I, I don't care what its theatrical window is. No, no, I mean that. I mean, there's nothing decent in the entire month of January. I mean, we got stuff to cover, but no, there's nothing I, that anyone's going to go see in the month of January. I'm so aware. The entire month of jet. So, so let giving without knowing what the window is. Let's just assume it's. Let's give it the whole 180 days, just to fish shits and giggles. There's nothing in the month of January. Um, in February, you got an M Night Shyamalan movie, nah. Mm. And then Ant Man. That's it. Ant Man's the only. Your biggest com- uh, competition for Avatar doesn't hit theaters until April 17th. Oh, sorry, February 17th. I, I would say by then. <laughs> Pretty safe bet that uh, Ant Man would uh, unseat Avatar. No, it absolutely but, will. Again, like that's I, a month and a half from now. Look, yeah. I'm, again, I'm not saying it doesn't make a billion. I think it mm-hmm. probably might. Again, the, the window is going to be key there. Mm-hmm. I think even with its bit, even if you give it like the longest window possible, I don't think it's going to beat Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. I, I don't, no, I don't think it gets to the 1.5 mark. It might pick up some some track during it'll, the Christmas holidays, like family get-togethers and whatnot. Yeah. Again, it's it, there's a good chance it beats Jurassic World. Uh, so mm-hmm. that it probably ends at number two, but like I don't think it's going to get. I don't think it's going to get over. Let me ask you a question: If you're an executive of Paramount right now, how like how much hubris do you think you have? Like, are they just sitting there like we're the best? We're so, like like the cognitive dissonance. I'm just imagining. I mean, maybe this is a projection. But if you're like a Paramount executive, you lucked out. You you got the lucky lottery ticket with Top Gun Maverick. That is not on you. That is not good to studio decision making other than you got the hell out of everyone's way and let them make a movie that men enjoyed and men brought to 1.5. So my thing is, are the people at Paramount just like, oh, we're going to have such an awesome 2023. We've got what a slate of movies. Like, no. <laughs> well, don't they, they have? Oh, hang on, hang on. Somebody has to be in that office. Like, we got really, really lucky. Let's let's 
get a hold of ourselves. Don't they or have? Are they just uh, like, are they just like they no, dead, we're taking out Disney next year. Don't they have Dead Reckoning next year? <clears throat> Impossible sequel. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a two part movie. They've already announced that they're shooting both parts of it. Okay. I'm kind of surprised they haven't tried to go for a Top Gun three yet. Hang on, I, I'm I'm thinking this through at Paramount first. I'm, I'm not objecting to that, by the way. I'm just Paramount. I'm gonna while you're I'm gonna so interrupt you. Uh, okay, okay, hang on. So so here's how I this... want to see what else is coming up on Paramount next. Okay, year. that's you, you not look a streamer. At, okay, you look at yeah, that. Don't they also have? Uh, isn't Yellowstone also a Paramount property? And yes. that's like a, the most popular TV show right, right. now. I know it's, it's not Feb- movies, but February third, yeah. eighty for Brady. Nope. N- nope. <laughs> so let's just go yes no on these real fast. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Uh, scream. Eh, it'll do okay, but it's like fina- not gonna... financially successful. Yes. Dungeons and Dragons. I think that'll do Ooh. well. It's yeah. not. It's not a Top Gun, but it'll do well. Uh, that there's a lot a of big, there's yeah. a lot of budding enthusiasm for this. Like, there based is on, based on me based on marketing. There's a lot of excitement for this movie. There is. Yes. Dungeons and Dragons, we swear we didn't screw it up this time. Honest promise. Honestly, <laughs> if you if you hang out with enough gaming nerds, everyone that's seen this trailer is fucking super excited for this. Well, gaming I, nerds, of course, but do ga- gaming nerds, with all due respect, represent the general public, which is where the money goes to. I mean, as much as we like to talk about I mean, nerd movie Chris, stuff. Chris Pine's hot, and this has a comedic no, element to it, so hang on, hang, will go. Hang on. Okay, wait. Do you mean Chris Pine is attractive, or do you mean his career trajectory is hot? Because those attractive. are two different things. Okay, he's yes, he's an attractive man. So okay, so you got gaming nerds and girls will go see this. I don't know, man. Like, I, again, I'm not saying bomb because mm-hmm. I don't think it's gonna bomb. I think I think that's a bit. <clears throat> but like again, if that gets into yes, it's kind of like I don't think it's a big hit. I don't think it's a big hit. All right, moving on. Um, I don't want to spend another hour debating yeah. a movie we're not reviewing. Uh, let's see, Transformers. Ooh. I think it'll. Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, that's actually real. Like, that's still a very damaged brand, <laughs> right? But, but I'll tell you, Beast Wars has a lot of cash. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. That like, the, like the Beast Wars generation that might do it. I, I think, the, I think the kids who watch Beast Wars are going to come out for this, and they're like, oh 40. yeah. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say yay, but again, I'm not, mm-hmm. not expecting it to set the world on fire, but still probably be a, a hit. All right, uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah, that's gonna. Yeah, be hit. Fun. I mean, they've made it to five, and Tom Cruise gives a damn. So, all right, there's a, an animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Nope. Um, <clears throat> probably about out of the year now. Uh, let's see. Paw Patrol. Oh, that'll probably do good, much to the dismay of many parents. <laughs> I actually kind of question that. A lot of those style, a lot of those kinds of movies have not done well lately. Um, that's about it, as near as I can tell. Okay, so you got if you're at Paramount, you're looking at next year, and your big thing is you've got a potential sleeper in Dungeons and Dragons. Like that's a that much as I'm kind of hemming and hawing, potential sleeper hit. If I'm going to be optimistic, you got Transformers. Which is still kind of convincing yourself is a relevant franchise. And you've got a Tom Cruise movie for an established IP. You know, you could you could feel pretty good about that, especially, and I don't want to rehash our entire argument about this, Mark, that we had offline, but especially given the weak slate <coughs> of, video, of movies that's coming out from Marvel. 
here's what I'm going to tell you. If they're thinking they can repeat a Top Gun Maverick, not with that slate. No. Um, okay, that's are probably they, true. Yeah, but, they're not going to be king of the castle next year. <laughs> but are they still competitive with Disney and Universal? I mean, probably I think, actually. I think I think they can. I think they can play on the team. Okay, I don't think so, they come out. I don't think they repeat 2022 though. So, again, another serious question: mm-hmm. What is our top movie of 2023? I just fucking shut down the list, bro. <laughs> um, okay, well, look, we can put. I'm, it I'm expecting Guardians of the Galaxy three will be a a solid hit. Uh, it's what I said. Um, here. I'm not going to read every single fucking movie on this list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, of course not. But, okay. Ant-Man? Yeah, I, I think it'll okay. do good. My but... my vote for top movie of the year, the number one movie, $2 billion, Cocaine Bear. We can all hope. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll do quite well, especially relative to its budget. Um, John Wick, Dungeons and Dragons, Super Mario. I'm sure John Wick will do good. Super Mario, I could see being a smash hit. That right, that's right got now, an shot. right now, of everything I'm looking at, we're up to May, and the only thing that I think, like, I have a serious contender besides Ant Man, is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Guardians <laughs> has a good shot. All right, uh, Fast X, Fast Ten, Little Mermaid. <sighs> okay, Fast. Uh, I think those are both <clears throat> pretty good. They'll again, they, like I, I'm just looking at like what I think can take the top spot. I think these will all, probably all be f- successful financially once also. I was gonna say Guardians and Fast Ten right now are the two big ones. They would be the they would be the front runners. Um, Transformers maybe. Yeah. I mean, gosh, the Flash is so hard to no predict. Nope. Like that that thing's dead. Okay, I'm moving but, on. There, there's way too much baggage around Ezra Miller. If nothing, Indiana else. Jones. Mission Impossible. Uh, I don't think Indiana Jones is good. Oh, Oppenheimer, I think, will do pretty good. You know, like the, the Nolan <laughs> fans will. Uh, um, Barbie. No. The Marvel. I am really curious about Barbie. Have you seen the trailer? I, I have. I Ron, Ronnie stepped up, by the way. Ronnie was like, I think it would be hilarious if two fat old middle aged men reviewed Barbie. And I'm like, you're not wrong. He's like, I will uh, do that with you. So I, I will. I'm committing to a second damn you Hollywood for that week just to do Barbie with him. All right. Like I, the fact that they did a riff off of 2001, a space off scene, a Barbie trailer. I'm like, okay, this is someone's taking some chances here. I, yeah, I think no, I'm going to wait I, for uh, one or two more trailers, but I'm into I, it, I, I might be curious to see this. And I never thought I'd say that. Let's, y'all can be, y'all can be into your 100 million dollar <laughs> toy commercial all you want. Yeah, we will. Thank you. Um, Haunted Mansion, Gran Turismo, Blue Beetle. Ugh. Expendables, Craven, mm-hmm. Exorcist, mm-hmm. Saw, Dune, mm-hmm. Hunger Games. Dune, 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 I, th- I think Dune will, I'm not sure if it'll be best of the year, but I think it'll do solid. Dune will do well. Wonka, Ghostbusters, and Aquaman. Ghostbusters <sighs> probably do good, much to your dismay, okay. Mark. Okay, so <laughs> what is our what is our top movie of that year? Guardians. Based on that lineup. Yeah. Guardians. I would say Guardians is the safest bet to be good and make a lot of money. I would say it's a tie between Guardians and Fast 10. No, I think you're way overestimating Fast 10 at this point. I mean, the, the trailer for Guardians is better than most of the films I've seen this year. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. For me, it's kind of, it's bet- for me, it's between Guardians and probably Mission Impossible. Mm, like okay. those, those movies still have a lot of legs. Um, I, 
financially speaking, not necessarily creatively, because you yeah. know, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. we're only talking financially here. Yeah. All right. These uh these are the movies currently doing better than Morbius. Better than Morbius. Better than Morbius. It's Morbin time. Fantastic Beast 3, Sonic 2, Uncharted, Black Adam, Elvis, The Bad Guys, Bullet Train, Lightyear, Two Kill to Kill, Smile, Nice View, TC League of Super Pets, The Lost City, One Piece, Red, Noop, and finally Morbius coming in at the year's end at 26. How long are we going to keep doing this bit? Are we going to do end of the year end or wait till Craven? Craven comes like a year from now. Oh, but that's so tempting. Like, here's all the things doing better than Craven. No, you told me I, you told me to retire this bit in the new year. So, I'm oh no, reti- we do. Like, I, I'm looking for the next one. Like, like you, we retire Morbius this year. But yeah, I, I was gonna I say did... I get to do this bit one more time next week, the 26th, the day after Christmas, yep. for the Babylon review, and then I'm done with this bit. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. For the sake of my amusement, find Strange World just for my amusement. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Woman King at number 36. <laughs> Um, oh my god, Robert. 60 fucking million, 51. Uh, it came in between Beast and Suzumi no to Tojimari. Pretty good, le- Mark. It did less than Moonfall. <laughs> <laughs> I am oh, irrationally wow. happy about this. <laughs> that is fucking embarrassing, yo. Holy shit. Dude, <laughs> Disney executives' heads should roll. It should be like France. It should be like the French e- Revolution. Everyone involved with the creative of that movie should be fired. Every single one of them. They should be deported from California. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you they have to go for- back to Wichita. Get back. No, no, no. <laughs> they should be forced to stay in California, <laughs> <laughs> but not work in Hollywood. Yep. Oh my God, yeah. that is. Hey, everyone, awful. back to Portland. <laughs> fucking get them all where are you taking us back to Detroit. your home <laughs> Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> <to> Detroit. <laughs> oh that's fucking hilarious yo okay so yeah right. made less than moonfall i am a happy camper all right i don't even need to get into like the calendar we have one more movie left it's babylon boy is that gonna suck i mean look if you're into if you're like a film person like i'm no. going hang on shut uh, up for a second. Right. i'm going with people who like like the um the culture of hollywood they like the history of hollywood filmmaking so people so nerdy film people like me will go see it nobody else will everyone else will go see avatar like whatever maybe babylon wins a prize i I, you know or gets nominated for one it'll get nominated but it shouldn't win it like Mm -hmm. even the people i know who like you know this kind of film Mm -hmm. are saying it's not good i've heard 50 50 so anyway anyway that's it that's the end of the year though Avatar was the Avatar was the big swing at the end of the year. It's your Star Wars. Um, nothing else, you know. And we have one more movie left, and then we're into the new year. As far as like what we're doing, December, you know, January is known as "fuck you." It's January, so uh, like that we are conditioning <laughs> to officially change the calendars. <laughs> yep. So we're gonna play some catch up. I wanted to talk all quiet on the Western Front, which came out on Netflix, and since January is when we usually do our war movie. That's what we're going to do January 3rd. We do have a new release on January 6th. Megan, it's a horror movie about the doll. Uh, we're going to do that. Um, Plane, which is the uh, Gerard Butler action movie. Robert wanted to talk about it. Why not? It comes out on the 13th, so well, we'll do that one. Hang on. To be fair, you originally <laughs> had something else scheduled for that week. Yeah, it was a Guy Ritchie movie. I don't know why you gave me shit about that. Like, we haven't, like, like Wrath of Man wasn't our favorite movie of 2021. 
It was up there. Yeah, I don't like why, like, like you, like, get, like, why would you pick Guy Ritchie? You're ruining podcasting. Like, the fuck? I didn't, I didn't <laughs> say you were ruining podcasting. Like, you're part of the problem. Okay, yes, because look, <laughs> if we have the chance to talk about a mid-tier, potentially quality action movie, the kind of movie that we want to see more made of, mm-hmm. right? We would like more movies like this. Yes, yeah. in theory. Or Guy Ritchie's Wrath of Man, which was awesome. Yeah, but. There's no way the next one is that. Okay. Well, it, look, look, the long and the short of it is the Guy Ritchie <coughs> film got moved. Yeah, it got yanked from the calendar yet again. So, <coughs> and then um, yeah, people are like, talk, hey, we'll talk Gerard Butler and Luke Cage teaming up. That sounds great. Um, and then, because again, catch up. Um, we didn't get to it when it was contemporaneous, so we're doing it the ass end of January. The new um, Knives Out movie, Glass Onion. And then um, I kept, I, I was debating whether or not I was going to keep this on the calendar, but. It looks interesting. I really want to talk about it. Uh, the Pale Blue Eye that'll be coming out on Netflix on January 6th. So January 6th, we I are fully committing to streaming that. movies. Huh? I don't know anything about that movie, but it's fair a enough. gothic horror drama thing. Something about Edgar Allan Poe. Go look it up. It's got oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. If, yeah. if that's the title. No, hang on. The Pale Blue Eye. I did see that trailer now that I think about it. Yeah, okay. I think I sent it to you. You did. All right. Okay. All right. So here we go, folks. The critical review. Are you ready? No! I said, are you ready? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Avatar, the way of Mr. Kate. This is uh, why we can't have nice things. <laughs> that's a 78% score for the critics and a 94% score for the audience. If you have uh, sat through this entire podcast, especially our craft review, mm-hmm. and you're still here and you're one of that 94%, God bless you. We we appreciate you sitting and listening, letting us shit all over your happiness. Um, <laughs> we appreciate your commitment to hearing other points of view and to potentially expanding the way in which you experience film. Now let's listen to other points of view and tear them apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done, David. Uh, narratively. I set him up. He spikes it. <laughs> you know what, Andrew, I'm going to, I'm going to call him out here. Andrew's like, Hey, I'm not really going to, I love you guys' review, but I don't know if I want to listen to you guys do the critic part anymore. And I was like, I understand that. And I, it, but it made, and I didn't say it to him at the time, but it did make me reflect on why we started doing this in the first place. If you go back and listen to our 2015-2016 reviews where we really ramped up, ramped this up, it was because we noticed patterns in shitty reviews and we were calling them out. Yeah. That was the genesis of the whole bit. Mm-hmm. It was, like, I think one where we were like, these are Trumpy reviews and stuff like that. So it was like, there was just these patterns of bad reviews. And maybe over the course of time, we've sort of leaned into the bit a bit. A little Look, bit. Hi, Kevin Carr. Um, that's really <laughs> it. I, I, if you go back to why are we doing this exactly? Other than it amuses the shit out of me, it is because pat it, disingenuous patterns yeah. develop in professional criticism, and the show is about calling those things out. At least this part of the show. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Moving on. Before I die tonight. Uh Well, this is going to be a mixed bag, I think. It, um, yeah. Eric. Kane of Forbes. Hmm. It's predictable, shallow, and bombastic. 
This is low-brow action movie dressed in the glitzy trappings of a high-brow sci-fi flick. Once you take off the 3D glasses or the rose-tinted ones, the illusion is shattered. Not entirely wrong. I don't think you have a. We, you and I have the same idea of what a high-brow sci-fi flick is. <laughs> that too. Uh, Avatar is not a high-brow sci-fi flick. Not at all. Never pretended to be. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Peter Rayner. Peter Rayner of the Christian Science Monitor, top critic. James Cameron remains very much at the center of his obsession. He may not be a great artist or a visionary, but it's but in its look and its feeling of for family. This behemoth enterprise still has an ardent cornball grandeur to it. Have you seen any James Cameron movies? Yeah, one, <laughs> yes. Two, no. There's no the the grandeur here is not cornball in the way that you're kind of implying. Uh, Alcee Rangifo of Entertainment Voice. The way of water feels special in how it's an astonishing spectacle made with the meticulous care of a serious craftsman. That's fair what he says, but yeah, it doesn't address the negative it's, point. It's not astonishing. Like <laughs> oh, This is great. Hang on. <clears throat> Vincent Mancini of Film Drunk. <laughs> Fucking film drunk, really? Avatar was about you, you a clash. Pickled yourself. <laughs> Avatar was about a clash of civilizations. The way of the water is a revenge story that wears thin after a while. The whales were cool, though. You just had that. The whales were <laughs> the, the catfish. Whales were cool, huh? Like that's like, not a review. That's a fucking tweet. That's it's yeah. It's really not like the first part of that is like an appropriate setup to just to have a bit of a criticism <laughs> going on, but. I mean, he's right that the revenge plot wears very thin, and then yes, it does, man. It just does. Josh Wilding of comicbookmovie.com. Avatar, The Way of the Water's epic visuals are impossible to find fault with. No, they're not. We did. Hasn't met Robert, has he? <laughs> but with a paper-thin, painfully boring story true and a little in the way of character development, this three-hour snooze fest is all style and no substance. Okay, hang on just a second. I don't really think that's fair. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the basic premise I, I agree with, but uh, the level of vitriol is... Cla kind of and, and I mean this in all sincerity about that in particular. Like, claiming there's no character development is a bit reductive. Like, th that's a bit disingenuous. Like, is it very stock? Is it very minimal? And can you not remember the characters' names? Okay, that's not the same as they're not necessarily being an arc for some of them, so... Doug Walker um, chiming in from Channel Awesome. You mean Channel Asshole? That's the one. Though a technical spectacle, Cameron ha has evolved his storytelling from Save the Rainforest to Save the Whales. That's a plot summary, not a criticism. Yeah. Like, though, though granted, from what I've watched in the Nostalgia Critic, he can't really tell the difference anymore. True. Doug Walker coming in with the Kevin Carr review of the evening. You're not wrong. Jesus fucking Christ. It's paid uh, for that. Yeah, he does. <clears throat> um, Tyler Treese of ComingSoon.net. Avatar The Way of the Water is the one film. The one film you truly must see in theaters this year. Yeah, this We're, idiot gave this a 10 out of 10. Yeah, first of all, words mean things, as do numbers. And did you forget about Top Gun Maverick? Because that would be two. Yeah. Like, no, again, just no. You are just like... You are sucking onto that whale appendage so hard right now. You just like unfurl <laughs> it, and I am latched, and I am not going anywhere. 
I, I would say if you had to go see two movies in theaters this year, I would pick Top Gun Maverick and Avatar. Like they're both very yeah, beautiful on, on the like, big screen. And also, again, I, this might be the one thing I forgot to mention during the craft, but this movie absolutely benefits from the big screen in ways that a lot of movies don't. So in that respect, yeah. Yeah, th- that'll help its that'll help its returns out as well. Like it does benefit yeah. from that. It, yeah, it gets the most out of that screen. Not so much from the plot and character point of view, but everything else. Yep. Yep. Kevin Carr, fat guy at the movies. Merry Christmas, Kevin. We love you. Thank you for spending the year with us. Uh, visually mind-blowing, but a but with a fractured and overcrowded story, the sequel still manages to provide a great spectacle. Hey, Kevin Carr, why don't you come hunting with us? We'll go out past the reef. <laughs> Leave him alone. It's Christmas. No, um, no. And, and look, and to that <clears throat> to, the, to that end, like he didn't say anything that we would have disagreed with. Like I'm just, no, that was a pretty, fair. pretty fair review. That was fair. Yeah. It wasn't even like his usual, like rock stupid review, you know? Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's got some doozies. You know, he's maybe, 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 maybe he actually does listen to the podcast and he's been upping his game. One could hope reading books and shit. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Mark books are for burning rattle. It's just sitting here advocating for literacy. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. Everyone. <laughs> Uh, Uncle uh, Uncle uh, Leonard. Oh in. man, uh, Leonard Malton of LeonardMalton.com, top critic. I was completely taken in by Avatar: The Way of Water and overwhelmed by its fluid, <laughs> kinetic action scenes, eye-popping production design, and propulsive storytelling. This is a movie filled with wonder, which has become a rare commodity in the age of CGI. Okay, a couple of things. The old man was very impressed. The old man was very confused, and I imagine that he thinks the storytelling was good because he for like he has a goldfish brain going on here, and every thirty <laughs> minutes, just reset, 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 reset. Um, that said, like I wasn't wowed by this, but if there is anyone these days who can kind of evoke that same sense of wonder that the big screen used to, you know, Cameron is one of the guys who can do that. So that is a fair observation. Anthony Lane with the snooty opinion oh of the New Yorker. The vaunted New Yorker, Robert. Top critic. The moral combat could not be more simplistic, yet all the Cameron trademarks are in play. What a pretentious They need to show a bit more of that. Yeah. What a pretentious sentence. Like, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of pretentious, Kurt Loder, formerly of MTV, yeah. Yeah, and currently something. apparently of Creator Syndicate, is this one of the things we want for movies right now? Right, I'm just going to go ahead and stop reading and say yes. Uh, but pictures that take long, famous Oscar-winning actors and bury them so deeply in digital gelatin <laughs> that passing fantasy fish and phosphorant flora outshine them at every turn. You know, hang on for just a second. <laughs> hang, hang on for ju- I mean this all sincerity about him for just a second here. Mm-hmm. That about the future of cinema is a pretty valid point, actually. About, <laughs> uh, and I, I'm not being facetious there. Like I mean that. Like, if you look at what Cameron does to his actors here, mm-hmm. like, are they even necessary? No, we we already talked about that in the previous show where the future of movies is going to be like all computers doing digital CGI. And and with stories written by AIs that have studied too many like Marvel yeah. and Avatar movies. Yep. That's the nightmare. Speaking of nightmares, Jeremy Johns of jeremyjohns.com. I'm not going to do it for him. Really? Even after I'm going to what I'm going to read you here? Come on. No, no, I can see it. He do, he doesn't even deserve my contempt at this point. A satisfying action spectacle. Again, stop trying to write for the DVD box, you shithead. 
Yep. Ugh. All right. Um, we'll do one more of these, and then we'll call it a night. Alrighty. <clears throat> Kyle Smith of the Wall Street Journal, top critic. Ooh. Mm. Way of Water and an Excursion in Paradise. Would you criticize your week in the Caribbean for not having much narrative drive? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> or for being populated by thinly realized and interchangeable characters? My, my I... week in the Caribbean is not a goddamn movie, <laughs> sir. <laughs> well, what happened here was, sir, is we watched the movie, not a travelogue. Yeah, I, I want a movie. I'm not interested in your experience to the Caribbean. Moreover, if my trip to the Caribbean cost $500 million... <laughs> You're goddamn right. I want the story to make sense. I want the I want character development in all the waitresses. I want I want the tour guide to be to include fucking dinosaurs. I want it all. I'm <clears> expecting <throat> some. We remember it for you wholesale stuff at that price point. No kidding. <laughs> all right, folks. Yeah, if I don't save Mars, I'm I'm asking for my money back. All right. That is I our review of Avatar: way. The Way of Mr. Cotter. Um. Wednesday, the 21st, speaking of canned hams, it's Christmas time, so we've got more old Christmas shows that we did to re-release from the old Blog Talk Radio years, starting with me and Jesse talking Gremlins 1 and 2. That was fun back in the that day. That was fun. <coughs> so that'll be the 21st. Um, on the 22nd, the history of boxing will be back, and we'll have Gavin Napier, and we'll talk about the one thing in life he loves besides his son. Diego Corrales versus Jose Luis Castillo, May 7, 2005. I was about to say, wait a minute, you didn't mention Ric Flair. <coughs> Sorry, this, the other thing. Um, oh, the NWA, not Ric Flair in particular. The 2005 fight of the year. And we'll it's talk about the fight. aftermath of that too, but that is a hell of a fight. I watched that today. It's it's so good. <laughs> it really is. Um, on Christmas Eve, we're re-releasing uh, one of the last Long Road to Ruins we ever did. The Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy. That might have actually been the last one of the Blockbuck Radio era. Of, the, um, of BTR? I think you're right. Yeah, that might have been what we went out on. Uh, so yeah, we got the Long Road to Ruin, the Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy. And then on Christmas Day, we'll have a Metal Hammer of Doom. We wish you a metal Christmas. This was one of the ones where uh, we did a Christmas show, and I picked a whole bunch of different metal Christmas songs and put together a mix, and it was great. Once upon a time, I used to do a show called Because So-and-So Made Me, and hmm. Gavin made me watch There <laughs> Will Be Blood. <clears throat> oh, that's such a good movie. So Gavin and I reviewed it. It's uh, We're re-releasing it for the 15-year anniversary, December 26th. Uh, so we'll re-air that, and then we'll be back Monday night, the 26th, to review Babylon. So yes, another Monday show instead of Tuesday. <coughs> um, there'll be a source material on the 28th. It's a tribute to Stan Lee, um, where Evan and Jesse are going to be talking a bunch of different Stan Lee comics. And then uh, we are ending the year. The last live show of the year will be Jesse and I concluding our look at The Wire Season 5. We are not yet it done. It all goes tits up. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, we, are not, uh, we are obviously going to continue on our journey from the corner to the deuce, but our look at The Wire will be concluding. With season five as it did and um i think at the, i think we're also hey, did, did, did you not get enough marlo stansfield in season four there's no, more marlo, a whole lot now there's more marlo in season five <laughs> doesn't everybody love marlo yeah the best is. at least we, on screen don't we all seriously regret trading in two characters with actual screen presence and charisma so, for this i'm Joker? trying to shoot for like an hour with those shows 
but I think I'm going to spend some extra time on this one because I want Jesse and I, every show we've been like just reading lines from The Wire, just a couple here or there, kind of started out as a bit and I was like, no, let's just keep doing this. I'm going to find like the 50 greatest quotes from The Wire and just read them all with Jesse with no clothes on, just vascular naked. So at least 25 of them are various intonations of McNulty going, what the fuck did I do, right? Yeah, and the other the other 25 are just yelling out shit. Or, happy now, <laughs> bitch. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, yes. Wire season five, and then on December 31st, hey, Robert, Yo. do you remember before there was an on-trial podcast, we experimented with the idea of debating the merits of movies? Vaguely. It was a dark do time. Do you remember where we made Gavin record his own solo podcast prosecuting Man of Steel and we did an entire podcast defending it? I do. You actually sent me the entire thing that you were going to read so I could proof it for you. Yep. Make sure my arguments could stand uh, legal precedent. Um, so I edited those two shows together. And I knew... <laughs> <laughs> and I oh, re- nice. And I am re-releasing them as an on-trial for Man of Steel. And so that's, you, that's you and me defending against the prosecution of Gavin and Pat, if memory serves. And it was just Gavin. Pat wasn't oh, on that show. Pat wanted, like, he was supposed to be, but I think he had a scheduling thing pop up. And yeah, yeah. Gavin did. Yeah, Gavin just did a whole solo thing. <laughs> that would um, be fun. Yep. So I edited that show together, and that'll be released on New Year's Eve, uh, the 31st. First week of January, um, January 1st, I'm re releasing. Um, Jason and I reviewing Zombie Tidal Wave because why not? <laughs> uh, I'm re releasing the Arkanaki versus Ariola alternative commentary because I'm trying to go through all of those and get them up. And then we'll you kick off. Just the- let those die. And we'll kick off Damn You Hollywood with All Quiet on the Western Front. And then the Whiskey Rebellion is back, baby. Yeah. Episode three. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but <laughs> Jeff will be there. It'll be fan fucking fantastic. So that's it. That's all I got. Uh, David, are you back for anything anytime soon? Uh, probably not until sometime next year. Fantastic. Yeah. I think, yeah. Right. I, I don't ahead, Robert. Anything. Go do your plugs. Let's get out of here. All right, as soon as we're done here, I get to go watch professional wrestling. Uh, I cover professional wrestling and mixed martial arts for a- for uh, 411mania.com. Tonight, as soon as we're done with this, AEW's Dark Elevation. Uh, that'll be fun. MLW stuff on Thursday, WWE SmackDown on Friday, and UFC events on Saturday when there are UFC events. There, we're in a uh, bit of a down period for the UFC. They tend to take the end of the year off. So last Saturday was the last event of 2022 for the UFC. My full review of that is on the 411 Ground Pound MMA podcast, if you're interested. Um, the next episode of that will be January 8th. Uh, that will preview the first UFC event of 2023. So if you're interested in that, uh, wherever you're listening to this, you can punch in the, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen, you can uh, punch in Ground and Pound MMA podcast. You should be able to find me over there talking the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. The world of professional wrestling doesn't stop, ever, because of course it doesn't. So that will just continue until the heat death of the universe. I don't know. Um, At least until I decide to stop doing it, (laughs) I will continue with that. So be on the lookout for any and all of those things. And yeah, we'll be back next week for Babylon, and we will wish you all a very happy new year at that period of time as we try to get that cocaine-induced madness out of our brains. Assuming Mark is done coughing up a lung over there, we're about ready to head out.
landmark is still not back, so... Uh, how you doing, David? <laughs> I'm doing all right. We made it. The we made it. Not, the review is not longer than the film, so that's that's always a good... It would have taken an effort. <laughs> I'm not saying we couldn't have done it, but it would have been... We would have had to have done it deliberately. So, there's... Yeah, there's that. Yeah, it's been, been a fun year. So, I'm looking forward to next year. Though I'm not exactly sure what we're going to review, other than, you know, the Marvel movies and maybe Transformers. Marvel movies, Transformers, um, everything that Mark listed off when we were talking about what might hit, we're going to be reviewing. I'd guarantee that. Um, as for other stuff, oh, what was that? There was something streaming that we're going to be reviewing like later in the year that I'm kind of looking forward to. But And there's Mark. Yeah, we're done with plugs. David and I are just vamping while you got back from whatever you were doing. Okay. Well, folks, thank you for joining us here on you really, You really want to pretend that you, of all people, don't deserve the occasional side-eye about <laughs> running off and closing your screen down for <laughs> seconds at a time? I mean, I take longer than that if that's what you're implying. You sure about that? Well, it depends on the night and how often I'm doing it. Hey, thanks for joining us here on Damn You Hollywood. Uncom the most uncomfortably sexual episode of Damn You Hollywood ever <laughs> will never be repeated. Uh, thank you for joining us here on the way of sexual inappropriateness. For David Wright. For so Robert many fluids. So much fluid. Uh, so much vascular fluid. I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>